Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 26, 2021, including Halo Infinite has a release date, but it's not all good news. Xbox had a boring Gamescom presence. Destiny 2 is looking better than ever. Psychonauts 2 is now out, and more. Holy long news week. We got a big one here, but the most important thing to know, and we'll just get it out of the way from the very top, Halo Infinite has a release date. Halo Infinite is coming out on December 8th. I'm not making this up. Wednesday, December 8th, Halo Infinite finally has motherfucking release date. We've been talking about this video game for as long as this podcast has been going. It's like, you know, it's about time this game finally happens, so... We'll get into all that more specifically in the news, but man, I just, I can't, what do you want me to do, just hold that in? No, Halo Infinite has a release date, that's the big shit, but boy, do we got a big show this week. Thank you all for being at the uh, number one Xbox podcast that I host. Now, we we do have a massive show to get to this week between Gamescom, uh, the, the Destiny stream, some Xbox news, some Halo news, some general news, just tons and tons of stuff, Some some good comments to get through, so... Let's just dig right into the episode, but first things first, I gotta say, massive question that's been weighing on my mind this entire past week, why are double cheeseburgers such a common menu item found in restaurants, but I've never, ever, ever come across in all my fast food and American quick food dining experience, have never have I heard of or come across a menu that has a double chicken sandwich. What the fuck? It's just a chicken sandwich with two chicken patties. It's not rocket science. Let's make it happen, someone. Okay, with that out of the way, we'll, let's jump right into our corrections and things like that from last week to get into before we jump into this week's. First things first, a genuine, not well, not correction, but just some something important that was left out of a story last week that I think adds a lot more context and a lot more to think about. Uh, Val- Valdez Me, fan favorite, wrote in and said, Jesse, Call of Duty's new season is also ripping off Among Us. They are having a new mode where you are a secret agent. It's weird how no gaming news is covering it. Everyone talks about the new map and how it will have an anti-cheating mode, but no one is commenting on the Fortnite ripoff. I'm an X-Bot and a Call of Duty bro, but it's sad how they bully the little guy. Then my brother also wrote in and said, That Fortnite ripping off Among Us thing is so stupid. If Inner Sloth really wants to go down that road, they ripped off 80 other things too. If you know anything about tabletop gaming, which I know not many of you probably do, Among Us was a direct ripoff of a genre, which is fine, it's fun and cute, but I'm team Fortnite on this one. So I wanted to read both of those because one of them adds a lot more context or adds a lot more to the story that we left out and the other one adds a lot more context the situation as a whole and kind of supports what I was saying last week which is um, the whole yes is it is it clearly inspired by and in a response to among us this whole Fortnite secret agent mode yes no doubt but is it necessarily wrong or ripping off or you know copycatting and someone should get sued or something like that no no that's not how that's not how gaming works you know Fortnite only Fortnite exists because PUBG did a popular battle royale thing which is inspired by other things similar to Battle Royale. And, you know, it's just how it works. It's like someone does something, it's cool, catches on. That's like saying every multiplayer game that has, like, Team Deathmatch is ripping off, like, old arena shooters. It's like, that's just not that's just not true. Call of Duty is not a ripoff of 
Unreal Tournament or, or, or Quake because they have a team deathmatch mode. That's just preposterous. But anyway, I think that's a good point. Um, but Valdezmi does add something really important. I totally missed this. And you're right, Valdezmi. I, clearly not a lot of news outlets were talking about this because I refer to a handful of uh, outlets every week when I'm writing the notes. And I, I didn't see anything about this Call of Duty Season 5 um, new mode with, with a secret agent mode. So that's entirely new to me. So thank you for pointing that, that out and bringing that to my attention. It is weird. You can see how a lot of people had a similar idea where they're like, hey, we got to jump on this thing while it's hot and get in here. So it's probably just a pure coincidence that Call of Duty and Fortnite both had their response to Among Us ready to go around the same time. But it is, uh, yeah, it's not surprising that the two massive giants in multiplayer gaming especially ones that that cater themselves to really general and and more casual audiences and younger audiences are both jumping at the bit to be like hey this is the new multiplayer trend we got to be there we can't we can't miss out on it if you're call of duty you can't miss out on it that's why they had to do blackout and then warzone all that's because you can't miss out on battle royale if it's a thing it's just not nothing you can afford to do if you're the biggest name in multiplayer you know you gotta you gotta keep up with the trends so interesting but um yeah so i just want to put that that little uh correction and in, in addition out there now the other big thing guys is hey as of the day i'm recording this wednesday the 25th psychonauts 2 is officially out so this is a huge deal this is the first effort from double fine since they've been acquired from microsoft and while it's not entirely an xbox exclusive there is a lot of double fine is an xbox team like kind of mark on this game in in that i mean tim Schafer and the team at double fine you know, really commonly confirmed the reason why Psychonauts 2 took as long as it did and and why it's as polished and fully feature complete and everything as it is, is because Microsoft bought them, offered them a shit ton of money and said, here, take time and money and go make Psychonauts 2 even, even better than what you were going to make had you made it purely off your crowdfunded money and never had our money to begin with. So Psychonauts 2 is the game it is today because you know, of that money that Microsoft gave them, in addition to, of course, the initial crowdfunding money they made. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is, this game is only, av- it, while it is available on PlayStation 4, uh, it, it is not available on PlayStation 5. So even though you can buy, this is the last Double Fine game to come to non-Xbox or PC hardware, uh, it is also it is also best played on Xbox. So yes, you can get it on PlayStation, but you can't get it on PS5. You can get it on Xbox One or Series X, though. So the best way you're going to want to experience this game is either on a Series X or a PC. So you, you do get a little bit of a oh, you play Xbox? Good, we own this. We own this brand. Here's the perk for playing it on our platform. So there's a little bit of that. Obviously, if this game were announced after Microsoft bought them and it wasn't crowdfunded. There would be no legal obligation to support the the Kickstarter backers or whoever, whatever platform they used to to crowdfund this game. There'd be no legal responsibility to make the game on PS4. So they, they probably would have never done it if that were the case. But, you know, anyway, this is so this is a quasi console exclusive or a feature exclusive or a best played on type of Xbox game. But it is from Double Fine, which is now an Xbox Game Studios. And this means whatever Double Fine goes on to work on next is going to be a Xbox and PC exclusive. So this is the last game they will put out 
on PlayStation. So that's interesting. But more importantly than any of that stuff I'm fixating on is that the game is out. Congrats to Double Fine. It looks like the game is getting really great reception. People are really into it. Critics love it. Uh, so far, fans who have dabbled in it are all really loving it as well. Um, so more importantly, shout out to Double Fine. Congrats on the release. And uh, hopefully... It continues to be a game that is beloved, played wildly, and highly regarded. So that's awesome. That's definitely what I'm going to be playing this weekend for sure. But yeah, with that out of the way, guys, there's one little... Before we jump into the comments, there's one little self-plug thing I would want to do. And, and hold on, before you skip ahead two minutes like I normally tell you to do, I'm going to ask that you hear me out on this one. Because this isn't just another plug for my Twitch channel. So it, real quick, I mean, if you absolutely must, yes, fast forward one or two minutes. But I, I, I'm really... I put a lot of work into this next thing, so I would like to just take a minute before we jump into all the juicy Gamescom news and the Halo news and all the fun comments we got ahead of us. I, I just want to say, so obviously about a month ago, I launched my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash lightning mcstreme and i've been really really humbled and and uh, grateful for the response i've gotten from that we're almost at 70 followers we average between like seven and ten viewers concurrently when we're streaming and it's really more than i could ever ask for it, it blows my mind that you know every time i hit that go live button people show up and we can hang out and chat and play games together it's really fun there's still a ton of technical issues I deal with. There's still a ton of ways in which I can improve as a streamer, but I'm really, really grateful for it, and I've been having a way better time than I ever thought I would streaming. That being said, that was just a stepping stone into a, a slew of things I really wanted to do going forward. And now that you know Xbox on starting to garner gain its own audience, and I have the financial means to kind of invest more in some of the equipment needed to do these kinds of things, I'm trying to really hold myself accountable and say, okay, you've got something of an audience growing you've got the means to make it happen you can make the time do it you know this is my opportunity for myself to try and build something fun and something meaningful for myself out of you know what what we started with xbox on so without any more vagueness let me just say youtube's always been the thing i would like to get the most serious about because to me youtube is the content creation platform that I gain the most entertainment and have the most respect and appreciation for. And so it's always been the platform I've, I've most wanted to have a presence on. And so I've made a YouTube page. Last week I told you about it. It's a Lightning Extreme YouTube page. So it accompanies the stream, the Twitch stream. And I asked you guys to follow it. And shout out to those of you that did. I really appreciate it. We do have over 20 uh, subscribers on that new YouTube page, Lightning Extreme, which is surprising considering there was no content on it for a long time. But this week, this past Monday, I uploaded my very first video. Uh, it is a basically YouTube poop mashup, just doesn't take itself seriously, pretty stupid, heavily edited meme of, of, uh, of footage from, from Twitch streams of playing Halo Infinite. And maybe that description doesn't do it proper justice. Maybe it gives it too much credit. But to me, you know, it was a lot of fucking hard work to make this video. And I'm actually surprisingly okay with how it turned out. I don't hate... Usually when I create things, I can't watch them or go back and consume them because they just makes me cringe. But this video doesn't actually make me cringe. There's definitely room for improvement. There are things I wish had gone differently. But I'm pretty pleased with how the video turned out. And thankfully, you know, those of you who've seen it so far seem to be pretty, uh, uh, pretty into it as well. So I want to say a big thank you to those who've checked out my new video. It is called, what is it called? It's called Halo Infinite uh, wants, wants to save the rainforest uh, on my Twitch, on my YouTube channel. 
Lightning Extreme. I'll link it in the YouTube video for the podcast today. Please go subscribe to the channel or check out the video if you haven't already. And if you do decide to give me the six and a half minutes to look at this video, I would really appreciate some feedback, you know, things. And I, and I want constructive criticism. Like if you have like some things that might hurt my feelings that you want to tell me, but you think it'll make it better in the long run, don't be afraid to tell me what you think. I, I, I welcome that kind of feedback. So um, real big thank you to all of you guys who've supported the stream so far, the new YouTube page, or just the podcast in general. You are in no way obligated to support anything I do, um, but the fact that you guys do anyway means the world to me. So thank you so much, and uh, I definitely want to keep making more videos. That was a ton of work, and you know, first video, I don't have much of a following. I didn't expect the video to do well, so just the fact that we have like 40 views on the video means a lot to me. Um, I mean, I want to keep doing this and try to grow that and make it a normal thing where maybe someday, someday more than just like a, a couple dozen people see the video. So uh, please help support me in that and go subscribe to Lightning Extreme on Twitch and on YouTube. And uh, now back to the rest of the show. So guys, uh, let's jump into our comments and regular run of show for now. We have a handful of comments to get through before we jump into the massive Gamescom um, news. So without further ado, our first comment this week comes from none other than Mr. Mavsman, who says, Well, boys, we have the Halo Infinite release date of December 8th. As soon as I got as soon as I got to work, I immediately put in for the first three days for multiplayer madness. Treat yourself. Hopefully, with the previous and upcoming flights, the servers won't crap out on the first day. Mavsman, I, I love this comment because great minds think alike. I did literally the exact same thing. The second we knew... Well, they started they started rumoring a few hours, you know, people were teasing a few hours before the, the news officially came out that, hey, Halo Infinite's coming out December 8th. And everyone was like, yeah, I buy this, I buy this, I buy this. There's It's pretty reputable. It leaked on the Microsoft Store page. So it was pretty believable. Plus, you had really reputable people like Tom Warren, uh, Tom, what, who is it? Tom Warren from The Verge. Um, also, also confirming this, so it was pretty believable. But anyway, the second I heard that as well, I was like, "Cool!" I was at work, got on the computer, went in, requested. You know, it comes out December eighth, which is a Wednesday. I was like, "Cool!" I'm requesting Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off, and then I'll have Saturday and Sunday. So, yep, the, when this game comes out on December eighth, I'm gonna have five straight days of just Halo Infinite out the ass. You guys better believe we're just gonna be streaming and playing the fuck out of that game for five days. Um, I, I can't wait. Like I said at the top of the show, this is, you know, if there's if there's one thing we've been talking about since the day Xbox on started, it's when the fuck's Halo Infinite coming about coming out? We're anticipating this next Halo game. And it's crazy to think, you know, two and a half years into the podcast, here we are finally talking about, hey, we got a release date. It's imminent. The game's finally coming. So it's really exciting stuff um in that regard. So Mavs Man, happy for you. Hope Hope you have a nice little uh, staycation with your Xbox and get some good Halo time in. Of course, plenty of pizzas and Taco Bell will have to be ordered to, you know, keep yourself up late at night, fuel yourself for the many battles uh, we will face over the internet. Now, next up, speaking of speaking of consuming food, we have a duality of Kane's comments here. Oh, two comments. Uh, one from Wes and one from Lethal Migraine. So Wes H. writes and says, Jesse, Raising Cane's is a lesser slash ripped off version of Zaxby's. They have the exact same food, similar menus, and quote unquote cane sauce. Zaxby's already Zaxby's also came before Raising Cane's. So you're not missing much. The only people I hear rave about it are Northerners. Ugh, fucking Northerners. By the way, 12 minutes is a pretty damn fun game. Didn't think I'd be into it, but it was a nice change of pace from the popular looter shooter games. Makes you think. Well, Wes, I appreciate the comp comment for 
multitude of reasons. Also, yes, I, I keep hearing good things about 12 minutes. I want to get around to that at some point. But more importantly, Raising Cane's. Uh, we talk about this restaurant all the time. They're not common, especially not in the Southeast. I've never been to one. I feel like I need to get around to one because people keep recommending it to me. But you're here saying, no, no, no. Their entire menu is a ripoff of Zaxby's. The whole restaurant's a ripoff of Zaxby's. It's just a response that came after the fact to Zaxby's. And I'm thinking, you know, I grew up around plenty of Zaxby's locations. I think Zaxby's is from one of the Carolinas, if I'm not mistaken. And so they're pretty prevalent in the southeast. And, yeah, I, I grew up around a handful of Zaxby's locations. Went through a phase in my younger years, maybe like middle school, high school, where I thought Zaxby's was like God-tier food. Like I would eat there as often as I could possibly eat there. And it's so weird. I haven't had Zaxby's in a handful of years now, but I just don't have the same affinity for it that I once did. I still think it's good, don't get me wrong, but, like, eh, I just never find myself being like, shit, I gotta have Zaxby's. Like, Sonic drive through is something that, like, isn't common. Like, we have a few in Central Florida, but none of them are close to my where I live, you know? Like, I will go out of my way to get a Sonic Blast and Sonic Cheeseburger because I love Sonic. I wish that restaurant were more popular and more prevalent, but it's not. So, you know, I go out of my way for it. Zaxby's is kind of a similar beast in that, like, where I live now in Florida, there's there, we have Zaxby's, but there's not one within, like, 20, 30 minutes of me. But it's, not, it's never a thing that's like, oh, man, I'm going to go out of my way to eat Zaxby's today because it's just been too long. I'm always like, meh. You know, if, I, if it just happens to be there one day maybe i'll go back but i'm not i'm not itching you know for some zaxby's it's fine these days when i'm going for fast food chicken i know it's not the same type of restaurant but i'm going for popeyes you, you better make sure better make sure there's a popeyes around okay now lethal migraine has an alternate take to this he says i make the one hour drive to raising canes thankfully a raising canes is opening 10 minutes from where i live they expect it to be so busy that it's going to be the first canes in minnesota with two drive through lanes it's going to open soon my stomach thanks raising canes so lethal migraine i'm just going to attribute wes's uh the only people i hear rave about it are northerners comment to people like you and just say it is possible and now lethal mig migraine i don't mean to shit on what you like because you are entitled to your preferences, and I respect you being into what what it is that makes you happy. But at the same time, you go out of your way so often to just shit on everything we all like and appreciate on such a regular basis that I thought might flip the script on you. Now, again, I've never had Raising Cane's, but taking Wes's comment into consideration, maybe you're just one of those northerners that just overhypes Raising Cane's. I must ask, Lethal Migraine, have you ever had Zaxby's before? Because even though, you know, I haven't had Raising Cane's, but if you tell me, yes, I've had Zaxby's before, and it's amazing, or yes, I've had Zaxby's before, it's kind of like Raising Cane's, then I can le at least get a feel for what it is you're talking about. So, Lethal Migraine, I pose the question to you. Have you had Zaxby's before? And if so, are, are you just some Raising Cane's uh, hipster, or are you sponsored by Raising Cane's? Or what is what is the infatuation with this place that just sells chicken nuggets and house sauce that's mostly just thousand island must ketchup -y bullshit tell, tell us lethal now next speaking of fried chicken david i305 writes in and says damn you already forgot your promise remember you told me you were going to recommend a good cuban restaurant in orlando uh for disney park to take my wife next time and last week, I let you know to take your time because most likely I won't go to Disney this year. Okay, food topic. Popeye's chicken sandwich is the best. Why don't they remind you? 
Why why do they have to remind you of all the tragedies and fights on the drive-thru? The customer service is horrible, but the sandwich is worth the trouble every single time. The sandwich is so simple. Bread, chicken, pickles with, with mayonnaise. Uh, I always ask for it without pickles, and it doesn't matter what the competition add to their sandwiches like tomatoes, lettuce, and other ingredients, and it doesn't matter because Popeye's bread and chicken is superior. So, David, I'm a little conflicted here because while I agree Popeye's chicken sandwich is superior, the pickles are key. And if you are taking the pickles off the sandwich, you might as well be taking you might as well be taking the Bible away from Christians because it's just such a key fundamental component of the sandwich that I, I question whether or not one can exist without the other. So, chicken sandwich without pickles, it's like a it's like a it's like a beautiful singer without a voice. I think, David, that you need to get help. But more importantly, you are right. I did tell you I would try to dig around and find a good Cuban restaurant to recommend you. But here's the thing, David. The only Cuban restaurant I've been to in Orlando since I've moved here is a place called Bongos. And the reason why I didn't recommend Bongos to you is because Bongos closed down a year and a half ago. It didn't close down because it was bad. It closed down because they they were located at Disney Springs and then they had a lease agreement end and they didn't want, Disney didn't want to re-sign with them because they wanted to put a different restaurant there. So Bongos decided they were going to pack up and go over to the Margaritaville Resort and build a new location over there. So it's not that it's a bad restaurant. It closed down because of that. It's just a whole money contractual thing. Disney wanted to put a new restaurant in. So they decided, hey, we're going to leave Disney. And we're going to go over to Margaritaville Resort and build our new location over there. Well, in the pro- so what happened was the restaurant did close at Disney. And then Disney demolished the building that the restaurant was in to build a new restaurant. And it was supposed to be like some like fucking hipster garbage ass, five times the price, like health food, like avocado toast looking place. It looked really fucking bad. And Disney started breaking ground on the new restaurant. And Bongo's was supposed to break ground on their new location at Margaritaville Resort. But what ended up happening was there's this little thing called a pandemic. And I won't get into all that, but that's what happened. And it halted everything. So... Bongo's never got built at Margaritaville and the healthy shitty restaurant that they were trying to build at Disney ended up getting scrapped during the pandemic. So now the site at Disney where Bongo's used to sit is still just put up with construction walls and it's just a construction war zone and there's no restaurant there. And Bongo's in the meantime just doesn't exist. So that is the one Cuban restaurant I've been to since I moved to Orlando and it literally doesn't exist at this point in time. So I could go on Google and ask around with the people I know, hey, what's a good Cuban place? What's a good Cuban place? But that would be really disingenuous because I don't know the answer to that. So would you like me to give you a fake answer or would you like me to give you a real answer? Because at this moment in time, the answer is I don't fucking know. But I will say this. If you're going to go to Orlando, Florida, I don't recommend Cuban food because you're not in Cuba. If you want to get Cuban food in Florida, go to South Florida. Go to Miami. Because whatever the case is, the best Cuban food in Orlando is going to be disappointing and pale in comparison to what you can get in South Florida. Or you can get just south of Florida, which is actual Cuba. Obviously, you're not getting into Cuba. But, you know, South Florida, which is basically Cuba anyway. So why am I going to recommend to you the inferior product that is next door to the real deal? I'm not going to do that to you. So, David, what I'm going to do is I'm going to recommend to you something that is in Orlando's wheelhouse, something that is our specialty, and our specialty is chain restaurants. So, David, cracks knuckles. Have you ever heard of a little place called the Cheesecake Factory? Take your wife. You'll thank me later. All right. 
On the topic of Outriders, Dead Captain James, beloved hero of the show, writes in and says, I never even bothered to download and play Outriders because of server issues and save game bugs and inventory deletion. I really believe its poor state of launch really hurt it in in the long run. Games are a quick turnaround. Gamers are a quick turn crowd, especially when YouTube machine gets rolling on negative videos. Dead Captain James, I think this is an important comment because I kind of brushed over uh, last episode about how I didn't think that the launch issues were as big a factor in the game's sales performance as as some other people were saying. But this comment actually kind of reminded me, it is very possible that it was a bigger factor than I was leading on because I forgot that there was the bug that was literally deleting people's save files and like all their inventory and shit. That's pretty horrible stuff. So yes, that while in the grand scheme of things, that's probably something that affected a very, very small minority of players. Almost no one probably ever experienced that. I don't really know whether or not that's true, but I assume that's the case because that's usually how these things go. Yes, it is very possible that that kind of scare and the hysteria around it and all the YouTube clickbait videos like Outriders broken game delete save click on me now question mark and like those kinds of videos probably garnered a lot of attention and painted a bad picture because you'll remember in the early Xbox One days Assassin's Creed oh my god I always forget the name of this game Assassin's Creed the one that took place in France it's like Assassin's Creed smelly armpits or Assassin's Creed city that smells like piss and everyone wears fucking chinos or whatever whatever that game's called um but that game had some minor performance issues and technical bugs when it came out it wasn't really game breaking but there it was mostly like graphical uh bugs and you'll remember there was that like really popular meme of like the character when the facial animation would just like pull back and the skin would rip off and it would just look like a meaty skeleton talking and people would be like this game is actually broken this game's a piece of shit it doesn't work and i remember that was like the Assassin's Creed game that made Ubisoft like skip a heartbeat for a second and be like, oh my God, we need to maybe slow down on how fast we're putting these games out. People are starting to really negatively respond to them. Maybe we're going too hard, too fast on the release cadence of these games. But in the grand scheme of things, actually that game ran pretty well, all things considered, and had relatively few uh, technical issues. It was just a lot of, you know, nothing. So I don't know why your comment reminded me all of that. And I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, randomly dead Captain James, but I do appreciate your comment, and there probably is a lot more merit to what you're saying uh, than I gave credit last week. Now, next up, on the topic of Phil Spencer, um, the gaming noob wrote in and says, I've officially changed my name to Phil Spencer. What do I do now? Uh, My advice, gaming noob, if your name is now literally Phil Spencer, uh, so my advice, Phil Spencer, would be nothing. Sit there and wait for the Sony fanboys to light up your Twitter DMs. That's That's all I can say. All right, next, politics, question mark, question mark, question mark. Patrick Plays Games wrote in and says, Hey, Jesse, I want to thank you for throwing in a small seg... I want to thank you for not throwing in small segments of political rants. I personally stopped listening to two podcasts, one being Sacred Symbols because of the political rants on Israel or COVID or anything else not related to gaming. Uh, You don't mention the other one, but I assume you mentioned Sacred Symbols because I've mentioned many times on the show how I love that podcast. I I assume that's why you you named it specifically. But anyway, uh, I'm absolutely inundated with politics and pandemic bullshit throughout my day. It's nice to tune into your podcast and be entertained. It's it's a nice mental break from the chaos of everyday life for me. Thank you. Well, Patrick, first thing I want to say is Thank you very much for writing in the show. Um, I recognize seeing you around a lot, um, but it's it's nice to hear from you. Um, so thank you for that. Second of all, I want to just listen. I just want to set the stage because I don't want you to feel like 
I'm being dishonest or that like there's like a bait and switch. Um, I, I'm I'm assuming and there's nothing wrong with this, but I'm assuming based on this comment that you're a relatively new listener because there have been episodes of Xbox on where I have gotten a little political and I'll be I'll be really honest about it. I regret it. Almost almost every time I say something political, I regret it because I I don't want this podcast to be political if it doesn't have to be. If it if it if it can be avoided, it it's something I want to do. And I've noticed that on the very few instances where this podcast did get like overtly political, there was a reaction of not like people writing in and being like, oh fuck you, Jesse, but there was like a, a a dearth of comments for that week or like a just less buzz surrounding the episode. So I get the sense as well that people are like, hey man, I just want to hear you talk about fucking raising canes versus Zaxby's and the Halo Infinite launch date. Like I don't really give a shit what your opinions on Afghanistan or Republicans versus Democrats or the the vaccine. I don't want to hear any of that shit. Like that's not that's not what we're here for. So I get that, and I want to be really respectful of that. And I've tried to make a more conscious effort to um to to make sure that that information isn't there um, unless absolutely necessary. Unless there's like a direct like uh fucking Phil Spencer gets COVID and dies. You know, it's like okay, sorry guys, we gotta talk about COVID. <laughs> you know. Xbox is over. So unless it's like something overt like that, I try to avoid it, but I, I will like, if I'm just holding myself accountable and being honest, I have been political on the show. Now that also, an, another thing I would like to say, just one more quick thing, because, uh, I, I feel like sometimes, and I'm not accusing you of this. I, you obviously haven't made enough of a point for me to really make that assessment or judgment on you. But I feel like there are a lot of people who are like, I don't want politics in my video game podcast or in video games, not realizing like what that kind of means. And again, I'm not accusing you of this because nothing you said here really suggests that, but I just want to say this in case I ever say something that people take as political in the future and then try to hold that over my head. I was like, Hey, you're being hypocritical. You said you don't want to talk about politics, but here we are. If a game, if, if a story surrounding a video game warrants a political like conversation, we'll talk about it. I, I ranted on many occasions over the past month or two about bullshit with China and the communist government and, and companies like Activision placating literal like fucking censor, censorship and enabling miserable fucking governments that murder their people and have concentration camps and tell companies like Disney not to put black people on the poster of their new Star Wars movie. Like I've ranted about that shit because I care about that a lot. And that is a really endemic thing in the video games industry that people are just turning a blind eye to and not giving a lot of fucks about. Listen, you say you listen to Sacred Symbols, so I'm sure you are aware of that as well. They talk about that on that show as well. So I just want to put that out there as like, that's an example of like something happening in the news that it just is inherently political. And if, if it's the news, then it's the news. But I'm not going to go out of my way to be like, hey guys, thanks for listening to today's show. Don't forget to get vaccinated and vote blue or I'll fucking call you a Nazi. I'm not going to be one of those guys. I know I know a lot of like the specific like mainstream game media are super like like um, that San Francisco breed of like liberal where it's like they're not actually liberal. They're just kind of like smelling their own farts, living in their little circle, just talking in an echo chamber. I, I, I understand a lot of people are turned off by that kind of stuff, so I definitely don't want to do that either. But I'm, I'm just bringing this all up because I want to be really transparent with you. I, 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 know, I don't want to bring up politics just for the sake of bringing up politics, but there may be another instance someday, you know, where something stupid happens, like some dumbass, weeby-ass, living-in-his-mom's-basement motherfucker decides to sexually harass some woman in the games industry, and it turns into a, a story, and hey, if that's the news, that's the news. I don't control it. I just report it, you know, that kind of thing. I just don't want someone to be like, well, Jesse, I thought you weren't going to get political on the show because... 
I don't even know what politics mean, like what political means anymore. It's like everything's political. You know, it's like if we're talking about like economic issues or like or like legislate legislative issues and like things that are like literally political, that's political. But then we're also talking politics. Apparently, if we're talking about like social issues and like uh, human rights and things like that, apparently that's also political, which I kind of think shouldn't be. Well, or not in the same sense be political, but whatever. You know, I just I'm just trying to explain where I'm coming from a little bit and also set the expectations so that you don't end up going, oh well, this guy's a fucking hack. But Patrick, I do appreciate it, and 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 I do I, I appreciate that comment just for the simple fact that I am trying like internally I'm trying to keep it out where it's not necessary, and uh, and I hope I hope you know that comes clear and that comes through and that. Uh, uh, no one ever feels like I'm getting political for the sake of like, believe what I'm telling you or you're a fucking hack. Like I, I, I want it to be genuine or, or, or relevant if it has to be brought up. But anyway, Patrick, your name is Patrick plays games. I'm guessing you're, you're a streamer as well. So, you know, if you ever want to, if you ever want to do some streaming things, hit me up. Let's talk. You know, I'm on Twitch and most importantly, you know that I have technical issues on my Twitch stream. You may not know that. Anyway, manuals. Let's talk about manuals. No, not the manuals in your glove box that tell you how to operate your car, but we are talking about manual cars. Sam Torres writes in. You know Sam Torres. If you don't, get a fucking life. Learn who Sam Torres is. Read a fucking Wikipedia article. He says, shout out to your discussion on severe lack of manual transmission cars being sold here in the U.S. I love driving stick shift. Too many people trying to multitask while behind the wheel. The decline of manual transmission uh, of the manual transmission market was down to two percent of new cars sold. I drive an automatic car as our family car. A whole different mindset. Driving our older Honda five-speed is such a blast. Great show. I will join you and the grand Xbox on faithful on Twitch as soon as things calm down at my work. Sam, thank you for writing in, and I look forward to seeing you on Twitch. I, I, I like this comment because um, it's completely irrelevant to anything this podcast is about, speaking of politics. Uh, but no, all joking aside, um, dude, I, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying to give up the battle on the manuals thing. I'm trying to be like, listen, I'm not going to change the world's perception of manual transmission. So I need to, I need to get with the picture or else this is just going to become another windows phone for me where I'm just the sad sack of shit being like, Oh, well, enjoy your Teslas. I still like my manual Honda, you know, fucking with my Honda civic hatchback with a manual transmission and my fucking 2012 Nokia Lumia. It's just, I'll be, I'm just going to be an irrelevant old man forever. So I'm trying to get with the times. The thing is the kids don't like the manuals. And for some reason it doesn't bother me when I think about electric cars. Cause I'm like, okay, well that's, it doesn't even make sense to try to make an electric car manual. It's like, we, we get it. You know, it's, you're driving a fucking computer with a battery in it. Like, okay. You know, uh, but it's 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 the regular cars that bo- bothers me so much with the manual transmissions. That's what bugs me so much is I'm just not that other people like it. Like you're free to like what you like, but it's like the fact that it, there isn't enough of a market from these manufacturers' perspective to justify the existence of manuals. That's what bothers me because it's like, dude, it's like it's like when you're playing a racing game and it's like, do you want the game to drift for you or do you want to drift yourself? Like, you know, like a lot of, a lot of games do that. I think even Mario party or Mario Kart now has that option where it's like, 
we if you're new to the game we will do the drifting for you so you just focus on driving and using items and then it's like anyone who even has the, the slightest idea of how to play the game knows well i'm not gonna fucking do that i'm gonna drift myself because i can do it better i can get an advantage over the other players and because that's fun you're supposed to fucking do that it's like aim assist or auto aim or some shit like that um it's just one of these things where it's like why would you make the game less why would you take away the mechanics of the game that inherently makes it less fun. I get that it makes it easier, more approachable for other people, so I, I support the decision to have that option available for people who need a little assistance in getting getting their hands around the concept. But, you know, once you know how the game plays, why would you want that that handicap mode on, the, the auto uh, drift and things like that? And that's how I feel about real cars as well. It's like, listen, I get it. You, you don't want to learn how to drive a car in specific ways you just want to use it as a tool to get to your job whatever but like once you really have a feeling understanding of like what driving is it's like why wouldn't you want to learn how to drive a manual because it's again it's like a video game it's like once you learn how to drive a manual that's when you're properly operating the car to its fullest potential that's when you you truly control the car and it can be so much more fun at that point. Like, again, I get it. A lot of people view a car simply as a means of transportation. They don't give a shit. That's fine. It's kind of like phones, you know? People buy iPhones. Like, listen, I don't give a shit that, that Samsung has a phone that has a folding screen, even though it's technically fucking amazing. The fact that there's a, a piece of glass that can fold, I don't care. I just want to buy the iPhone. It works. It does what I need to do. It is a means for watching porn and texting my friends. I don't care about the cool folding phones. So I, I get that, but uh, there's always going to be a part of me that's just a little bit sad. That's like, man, I wish more people understood. It's not, you know, it's not just about stupid, sweaty, edgy teenagers that want to go fast. It's like a manual car is just inherently more fun to drive. Now I will say in traffic, it's a fucking bitch, but in the, in the general scheme of things, you know, it's fun. You have more control. Therefore you have more ways of playing with it and enjoying it and feeling it and getting, you know, getting in tune with it. Whatever. Mr. Miggy also says, hey, I survived the hurricane here. Hearing that build-up uh, <laughs> hearing that build-up story about the Chips Ahoy milkshake makes me miss it even more. The one I tried also had cheesecake in it. I'm tempted to drive to New Jersey just to experience it once again. Funny enough, the upcoming refreshed WRX, Subaru WRX, is on my list of cars I'm tempted to get as well as the new Nissan Z. Because we don't get snow here, all-wheel drive is tempting. Because we do get snow here, all-wheel drive is tempting, but I always wanted a rear-wheel drive car. I do respect the BRZ and GR86, uh, but I feel like it would just feel like a rear wheel drive version of a Civic Si, and I'm ready for more power. I still have maybe a couple years to decide. Luckily, oh well, Mister Miggy, that that I think you explained everything there because I'm a, I'm more of a Civic guy. I, I'm I'm more of a uh, I'm more of a slow but nimble Honda guy than a uh, than a fast vroom vroom kind of like KG like Subaru guy. So that explains the the disconnect there, but. Dude, I support you in whatever you do, Mr. Miggy. As you decide what car you're going to go with, keep us posted. I want to know. Uh, anyway, and as a side note, I know that they make a version of that milkshake with, with cheesecake in it, but I didn't get that version because, listen, I was already being a very bad boy by getting the milkshake in the first place. I had to I had to make good somewhere in the order. So, 
I didn't get the cheesecake one, but maybe next time I'll try that because the first version was just so so goddamn good. Anyway, speaking of good, tortilla chips, white trash. Okay, my brother writes in and says, because this is an Xbox podcast, I want to inform the public that Walmart great value brand tortilla chips are like run circle, sorry, that are like circles are shockingly good. They're cheap and you get a ton in a bag and they're actually really good. Maybe a little too salty, but can something ever really be too salty? If you think the answer is yes, no, it's not. Anyways, get the chips with the restaurant-style Tostino salsa. You are welcome. Oh, I made a funny joke this week about Tostino's. Uh, I was listening to some some podcast. They were having a uh, discussion about gender roles. And for some reason, I, I, I saw something about – I saw like an ad for Tostino's. And I just made the connection. It was like Tostino's pizza rolls, Tostino's gender roles. I'm like, that's a funny punchline. I just got to figure out a good setup for it. But uh, I, I I don't know why <laughs> you mentioning Tostinos reminded me of that. So hey, there's <laughs> there's my tiny brain in the thought process of how to make a dumb joke. Uh, yeah, those uh, those those tortilla chips are sold out every time I go to my Walmart here because every Walmart in Central Florida or near Disney World at least uh, looks like fucking Black Friday slash Hurricane just came through the store. So. They're literally sold out of everything all the time. I go to buy, I literally go to buy bread and they're sold out half the time. It's such a motherfucking pain in the ass. You cannot get all your shopping done in one store if you live around Disney World. You have to go to like three or four grocery stores because on any given day, you know, your local Publix, your local Walmart, just randomly sold out of like toothpaste and butter. It's like, okay, two things on the list I needed. Just got to go to another store now. They had it last time. They don't have it this time. They're just, those stores are always understaffed. Always overcrowded and always wiped out. Depleted of their resources, if you will. Okay, let's wrap up, guys. We got a lot of news to get to. Motherfucking zombies. As a little closer, Josiah, my brother, also says, by the way, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare zombies are like the second or third best zombies. Cold War is worse than Transit zombies, which is, of course, Black Ops 2's zombies. Josiah, shut the fuck up. Stop spreading harmful information. Your, your brain is being tiny right now. Advanced Warfare zombies were fine. They were not second or third best. The best zombies are World at War, then Black Ops 1, then Black Ops 3, then Black Ops 4, then Black Ops Cold War, then Black Ops 2, uh, and apparently that, that alien mode from Call of Duty Ghost was really good, but I never played it, so I can't speak to it. Oh, Zombies in Spaceland from uh, Infinite Warfare was pretty good. I don't know. That's not an official ranking. I, I, I would need to think about that more. Anyway, EA's Kings rounds us out with our last comment. It says, Jesse is back. Jesse in Back for Blood. Those quote-unquote zombies are not zombies. They are parasites controlled. They are parasitic controlled humans. Did you even research the game's lore? Side note, KFC. I think you mean KFC like the chicken restaurant. I don't know. You also say the parasites in, blood, in Back for Blood were dug up by scientists from uh, from the, and the outbreak started in Quebec city. Okay. Is King, you're actually making my point from last week even worse. Cause what I was complaining about is how there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be lore to this. It should just be as simple as like, Hey, it's a zombie game. You fight, you, you shoot at zombies and you kill them. This is making it worse. Tell me there's a story about an outbreak in Quebec City where a parasite turned humans into mutants and they're not properly zombies. It's literally making my case of why this stuff sucks so much because it's so much stupid bullshit trying to make an excuse and a reason to justify a zombie outbreak when at the end of the day, everyone's like, dude, nothing's wrong with zombies. We just want 
fucking zombies. So you're making my point, the Ace King. I know you're a proud Canadian, but man, you don't got to go talking about Quebec everywhere. Okay, buddy? All right, thank you. I appreciate the context, though. All right, that's going to do for all of our comments, shout-outs, and whatnot from this week. I try to keep it brief, but we're already 40-something minutes in. But anyway, that's it for this week. If, remember, if you want to comment next week, go over to the Xbox On Podcast channel on YouTube. It is no longer Second Best Gaming. It is Xbox On Podcast. This channel is specifically for the podcast and nothing else. The rest of my YouTube content right now is being posted over at uh, Lightning Extreme. So those are my two channels. Please subscribe, leave comments, leave feedback, insult me. Some of you do. Some of you do insult me. Those comments go through a filter, and if I go to the studio creator page, I can see all the comments that get deleted that don't make it onto the show. Some of you guys say some real mean things, but that's okay. I'll still read your comment. I don't care. You say something mean, that's okay. But what you can't say is that Mountain Dew birthday cake flavor is bad because it's not bad. Why am I talking about Mountain Dew birthday cake? Because we're done talking about comments. You know, don't be shy, reply. But now I got to tell you about what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, I gotta tell you about what I've been eating. Okay, now you understand where I'm coming from. Mountain Dew Cake Smash. That's right. That's right. You tiny plebeians. You fucking PlayStation gamers. You motherfucking ponies. You goddamn IGN employees who give everything a minimum of an 8 out of 10. You goddamn not enough or too much water basic bitches. Don't you understand that Mountain Dew isn't limited to the citrus flavors of lemon and lime and orange and whatever. They don't need to rush a cherry. It doesn't have to be a berry blast. They can do whatever they goddamn well please. And they have. Because now there's a birthday cake Mountain Dew flavor. It's called Cake Smash. And it was released... This this thing's been rumored and talked about in the community for like over a year now. But about two months ago, they released it in limited quantities. And it sold out in like two seconds. And the community was furious about it. I didn't even be, I wasn't even able to get my order in. I was very salty. They said, we're not releasing this flavor in stores. You got to order it from the website. Limited time only. Fuck off. So I was very salty about it. So what I did was I went to the Mountain Dew Twitter page and I hit notify me every fucking time this account tweets. So every time the Mountain Dew Twitter account sends out a tweet, I get a little notification on my phone. And that increases my odds of getting new Mountain Dew flavors by 17%. And yeah, it worked in my favor because last week I got a little notification from Twitter that Mountain Dew was talking shit about cake again. So I go over there and they're like, hey, it's back in stock. Hurry the fuck up. So immediately I, I drop everything. Literally, my boss walked into the back office and saw me on my phone. And he's like, everything okay? And I go, yeah, there's a new. I literally looked at him and said, there's a new Mountain Dew flavor. And I'm trying to order it before it sells out. And he looked back at me. He's like, I understand. He just looked at me, and he was, like, very respectful of it. So I whipped out my wallet. I'm back there on my phone. I'm plugging in the numbers, and boom, I secured an order of Mountain Dew Cake Smash, the Mountain Dew that tastes like birthday cake. And, yes, I ordered it successful. You only could order it in, in a six-pack of Tall Boy cans, order secured. I thought, oh, with this kind of thing, I'm sure it's going to take forever to get to me. So I, I forgot about it and said, I'll see you in three or four weeks when you show up. Well, Little did I know, it arrived in like five days. So it came in the other night, and man, they go all out. The fucking box they ship it in has Mountain Dew tape on it. It's fucking awesome. And yes, if you're wondering, I saved the tape. I'm going to do something with it. And then you open it up, and they leave a nice little letter and a little picture in there. All this wonderful packaging. You get your six cans of Mountain Dew Cake Smash. Of course, one of the cans goes immediately into my collection, so I only have five to drink. And I crack one of these bad boys open. Not true. I refrigerate it first, then I crack one open. And guys, birthday cake Mountain Dew. 
would you get you know I always talk about these days how Mountain Dew's a little hit or miss. They they do too many flavors and so many of them are hit or, or hit or miss. Would you believe it if I said the birthday cake Mountain Dew is not only not bad, but even pretty damn good? Would you believe it? Well, you better fucking believe it, because it's true. So I've talked about this before. Mountain Dew Whiteout, the greatest Mountain Dew flavor of all time, which they no longer sell in the Southeast United States because God isn't real and he fucking hates me. Uh, it, it's the greatest Mountain Dew flavor, but Mountain Dew realized at some point in recent history that they can use that flavor as the basis for other flavors of Mountain Dew. So you might think you might be familiar with Mountain Dew um, uh, um, Voodoo, which is their Halloween flavor they do every October. Um, that flavor is just Mountain Dew Whiteout with a twist of like orange creamsicle or candy corn or something like that. They'll do something like that to make it like a little like fall themed or whatever is, is their thing. I don't know how orange creamsicle ends up being fall themed, but it's supposed to taste like candy corn. It's very good because even though it's like, ew, candy corn Mountain Dew, it's like, whoa, 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 no, you don't get it. It's Mountain Dew Whiteout. There's a little hint of something else, but it mostly just tastes like Mountain Dew Whiteout. That's exactly what they did here with the Mountain Dew birthday cake. It's called Mountain Dew Cake Smash, by the way. Uh, it's just Mountain Dew Whiteout, the greatest flavor Mountain Dew ever made, the greatest, literally the greatest beverage ever made in the history of mankind. They literally talk about it in Corinthians chapter two. It's so fucking good. Uh, and what they do with Cake Smash is they just put a little, a little twist of like a birthday cake flavor to it. So it's very subtle. If you drink the can when it's not very cold, you almost don't taste it at all. But when you drink it really cold, you taste a subtle hint of the birthday cake flavor, but otherwise just tastes like Mountain Dew Whiteout, which is the best Mountain Dew flavor there is. So overall, it's very, very good. I like it a ton. I've already gone through two of the cans, so I only have three left. I'm trying to savor them, trying to make them last. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, but, you know, just when I thought, wow, great job, Mountain Dew. You put out a great new flavor. I'm really glad I was able to try this. Um, and as someone who no longer has access to Mountain Dew Whiteout, I'm really glad I was able to have something close to it. And right as I was happy and content with that, uh, we got this little notification from Twitter today. So Mavsman writes in and says, got this one in before the show. Um, but Mountain Dew has unveiled a new flavor exclusive to the Mountain Dew online store. It's releasing on August 31st called Flaming Hot Mountain Dew, like Flaming Hot Cheetos Flaming Hot. Not sure how this will taste, but we owe it to the Dew and this podcast to try and get some before it sells out. Well, Mazman, you're absolutely right. And they're releasing it exactly the same way they released the Cake Smash Mountain Dew. Six-pack, tall boy cans. Only available online, limited time, get it before it's gone. And boy, oh boy, am I ready. I got the notification set on my phone. As soon as Mountain Dew lets me know it's available for order, you bet your sweet ass I'm ordering that thing. We're going to get it airmailed. We'll get it as fast as we can. And I will report on you as I meant to do, as I am obligated to do on how it is. But you may be thinking, okay, birthday cake Mountain Dew, that doesn't sound great, but I'll let it slide. Spicy hot Mountain Dew, flaming hot Mountain Dew, like the flaming hot Cheetos kind of flaming hot. What are you fucking talking about? There's no way that's good. And my response to you is, okay, millennial. Um, do you drink alcohol? Statistically, man, eh, a little bit at least, right? Okay, cool. Have you ever heard of a little drink called uh, Firebomb or Fireball? It is the spicy hot whiskey, basically just cinnamon whiskey. Okay, I bet you dollars to donuts that this new flavor of Mountain Dew is probably just cinnamon Mountain Dew. You know, the cinnamon flavor gives it that flaming hot spicy flavor or whatever. I bet you with all the fucking Fortnite V-Bucks in my wallet that this is just cinnamon Mountain Dew. I know it. 
Now, I'm not looking forward to Cinnamon Mountain Dew, whether it's whether it tastes like Flamin' Hot Cheetos or, or Cinnamon Mountain Dew. I don't give a shit. I'm not looking forward to it either way because nothing about any of that flavor profile caters to me. Like, I love birthday cake. I, I'm the fucking dumbass grown adult who orders, like, cotton candy ice cream when I go to the ice cream place. So, Cake Smash was always going to be a win for me, but this one is, like, a little bit of a, hmm... But you're right, Mavs, man. We owe it to the podcast. We owe it to Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew's always been good to us. So why should we Why should we not hold up our end of the deal? Why should we let them down in their time of need? If they put out a flaming Hot Mountain Dew, then it is our obligation to try it. Otherwise, we're not real gamers. We're not real Xbots. We're not real Dew fans. And so absolutely, I will order it. Am I excited about it? No. Am I a little cautiously... Uh, Am I, am I a little curious about it? Am I a little nervous about it? Yes, absolutely. But we got to put this can in my collection. We got to get this flavor on my taste buds. We got to get this experience under our belts so the good people of Xbox on can know whether or not Flaming Mountain Dew is just what they've been looking for, if it is the cure-all to their problems, or if it's just another forgettable flavor like uh, Mountain Dew Frostbite or Mountain Dew Major Mountain. Is it just another forgettable, they rushed out another flavor kind of thing? I mean, 2021, we've already had so many fucking Mountain Dew flavors. How many more are you going to go for? We know Voodoo's coming back for round three in October. Fucking crazy, Mountain Dew. You just, you're so busy. So busy putting out great content. Anyway. All right, guys. With that all out of the way, let's talk about what I've been playing. Now, what I've been playing, aside from streaming, I'm not going to talk about what I've been streaming because that's where I've been mostly playing games, but I have been squeezing in a little bit of Psychonauts here and there. I really am looking forward to Psychonauts 2. I'm actually really hoping to be able to play it by Saturday um, and play it a lot this weekend, hopefully. But um, I still haven't beaten Psychonauts 1. I feel really bad about it. I beat half of it a couple months ago, uh, but now I'm like on the other half. I'm like, okay, time to get back to it and knock this out. And the other night I was playing it, I was like, you know what? My brother was actually really right about this game. It's like, it starts out like good and funny and cute, but not like the best platformer ever. And then it goes into like really being good. Like the, as you get further into the game, it gets, it goes from like, oh, this is cute and funny to like, oh, this is a fun game. And I, I'm getting to the part where like the game is fun now. So I'm having a good time with it. I mean, I, I mean, 3D platformers are my favorite game genre of all time, you know? You might think it's a first-person shooter because I'm such a Halo guy. I love first-person shooters. Don't get me wrong. Probably my second favorite genre. But 3D platformers will always have my heart. Sonic, Mario, these little guys, Banjo Kazooie. You know, like th- these are the, these are the boys and these are the boys and creatures and furries that raised me. And I, I just I, I can't get enough of them. So Psychonauts, it's always been a, a blind spot for me as a 3D platformer fan. I really like Tim Schafer. I really like Double Fine. So I've always wanted to play this anyway. So I'm really glad I'm finally getting around to it. And the, the new game really has me motivated to beat the old game because I think the new game just looks so good. God damn, the graphics and the visuals and the gameplay. I can't wait to play Psychonauts with the modern sensibilities for like camera controls and platforming and all that. I really am looking forward to that aspect in particular. But until then, I'm, I'm working my way through Psychonauts 1. I'm really enjoying the hell out of it. So uh, that's what I've been playing. And with that all said and done, guys, let's talk about our very busy news week, starting with Gamescom and Halo Infinite right now. Well, a quick note before we jump into the news. So this is actually the second time I'm recording the podcast. I recorded the entire two and a half hour long episode uh, games commendation so it was a little longer than usual and then I got through editing up into the point where we got to the news and then system crashed and I lost the audio file and yeah so the first 
50 minutes or so of the podcast where we do the comments and all the regular stuff there is all the original audio file. And then starting from here on out, this is actually the second time I've had to record the podcast tonight. So I lost about an hour and a half uh, worth of discussion on Gamescom and everything. And so I'm about, it's it's almost midnight here and I've, <laughs> we're restarting, but that's, that's okay. More than anything, I'm just bummed out because it was actually, in my opinion, one of the better episodes of the podcast and now it's all gone. So I know it's not going to be as, as good the second time, but nonetheless, we're restarting here. So from the top, <laughs> uh, we're going to open up with all the Gamescom news. So there are two events that happened. There was the Xbox Gamescom event on Tuesday, which ended up being extraordinarily disappointing. We'll get into that in a little bit. But the bigger thing was the opening night live event, the Jeff Keighley hosted event during Gamescom, which actually took place on Wednesday. Um, so that was the bigger event of the two. So we'll just jump right into that. Now, a little of this is out of order because Halo is the big news for us. So that's what we're going to lead with. So we're going to talk about all the big announcements, or at least the ones relevant to Xbox. We're going to leave out the PlayStation-centric stuff. Um, but our first thing, and of course, the most important thing, is Halo Infinite. So the game finally has a release date. December 8th, 2021. It is coming, like they said, holiday 2021. And they had uh, Joseph Dayton from 343 come out and speak with Jeff to reveal uh, some more multiplayer information as well as the date for the game. They showed a multiplayer-focused tr uh, trailer featuring Commander L Lorette, uh, who is kind of like your military UNSC officer who guides you through the multiplayer content in the game. Uh, she's a new character, so that was a whole introduction for her. They showed this really cool trailer that had a lot of, like, Halo 4 and 5 kind of artistic vibes, in my opinion, as with a little bit of, like, old-school Halo. It was a very interesting art direction. It's something we're used to seeing a lot from, like, early 343 days, but I feel like Halo Infinite's been a very, like, old-school Halo aesthetic, so this was interesting to see some of that Halo 4 and 5 kind of look come back um, with, a, with a splash of old-school Halo. But nonetheless, cool multiplayer trailer they showed. Um, it was kind of the kickoff to season one, which will begin when the game launches. And then they use that kind of as a, as a way to be like, oh, okay, here's a little tease of some multiplayer stuff. By the way, release date, December 8th. So that was the big news. We're finally getting the game. It's coming December 8th. And then from there, they use that as a launching off point to be like, but that's not all we're going to talk about for Halo. You know, it's 20 years of Xbox, 20 years of Halo we're celebrating in 2021. And so with that, we have something special. So they announced the Halo Infinite edition of the Xbox Elite Series 2 controller. A little bummed that they didn't make a Series 3 controller because the Elite 2 is still modeled after the Xbox One controller, not the Series X controller. So... That's a little disappointing, but it is a really cool-looking controller. Uh, it's themed to Ma uh, Master Chief's kind of armor and everything, so it looks really pretty. Uh, I think it's going for about $170-ish, if I'm not mistaken. Pre-orders went live immediately. They're already sold out. I had to restrain myself a little bit to not order it because I'm like, don't need it, don't need it, waiting for a Series 3 Elite, whatever. After that, they announced the even bigger one, which is the limited edition Xbox Series X theme to Halo Infinite. Now, this is coming out sooner on November 15th, and it's a really beautiful looking Xbox Series X. It's a regular Series X, one terabyte, comes with Halo Infinite. So it's it retails for $550, 50 bucks more than a Series X, but you get the $60 Halo Infinite included for free. So it's actually a good deal. And you get that beautiful limited edition looking Xbox Series X along with a 
well-themed controller as well. It looks really, really, really nice. So those were the big things they announced. And then that was immediate, immediately sold out. I had to restrain myself on that one because I really wanted to order that. I was like, I do not need a Series X. But I, uh, I had it all the way into my shopping cart before I went to check out. And I was like, hey, this item sold out. I'm like, oh, thank God. I, I can't justify buying this right now. So it's a good thing that the system's telling me I can't. But that was the big Halo news. Um, really, really exciting stuff to finally have a release date after all this time. You know, we've been talking about Halo Infinite for as long as this podcast has been going live. So to finally have that announced, that release date after all this teasing, all these delays, all this stuff, a tech test, an E3, all this stuff, we finally know when we're going to get our hands on this game. So it's quite exciting. So that was the big thing. And that actually happened probably towards the middle of the show. Um, but that now we'll kind of go into the order of operations in which, you know, things, the order in which things were actually announced. So the big first thing they, they did was the Saints Row reboot reveal, which is a reboot of Saints Row. This, this franchise hasn't seen a game since 2013 when they did Saints Row 4 and then the Get Out of Hell expansion or whatever it was. Uh, but the new one is set to come out February 25th, 2022 for all the next-gen consoles, PS5, Series X, Xbox One, PS4, and PC. They showed a trailer, but it was just a cinematic trailer showcasing the new city of Santo Leso, which is like a Southwest, American Southwest city. Uh, now, unfortunately, we didn't see any gameplay, but they said they'll be showing that sometime soon. So we'll also... Uh, get a look at that in the near future. Now, this is a great idea because this is Deep Silver in Volition uh, basically being like, hey, you guys like Grand Theft Auto? Well, yeah, they don't do Grand Theft Auto anymore because of Grand Theft Auto Online. So, you know what? We'll just make a, a GTA game and, and then maybe people will buy our game. So, Saints Row has always done well, but it's not it's not GTA big by any stretch of the imagination. So, I think them kind of stepping in with that brand cachet in a time where like GTA is just not doing shit is actually probably a great idea because it can help all those people desperate for a proper GTA experience to be like, ah, oh, fuck, well, you know what, I'll play this in the meantime. So I think it's a really smart idea to do another one of these and to kind of reboot it and they're toning it back down, bringing it back to it's still over the top and zany and action-y like Saints Row is, but it's not as like superhero cartoony as the last one was. So they're kind of toning it back down a bit. So I think this looks good. I, I'm excited to see what the game actually looks like. I don't know that I care enough to actually play it, but I am interested enough to want to follow along and see how this develops. So that St. Row reboot, that was a pretty good opening in my opinion. Then next, they went into another pretty interesting game, which was Marvel's Midnight Suns. This is being developed by Firaxis, which is the XCOM developers. So this is a new strategy game in the Marvel Universe. I thought it was Marvel vs. Capcom for a second when they were announcing it. But no, this is all new. And they worked with Marvel to create the ability to create your own customizable superhero. But they worked with Marvel to make sure it was like, I guess marvel enough so that it was like buyable i don't i don't really know what they meant by that um but it'll also feature other marvel characters of course that you'll play alongside like iron man wolverine captain america all those kinds of people so this is really cool i like you know this first oh by the side uh, by the way um this is set to release in march of 2022 and they said on september 1st we'll get a proper gameplay reveal so we'll get to see it because this was just a cinematic trailer but i i really like this whole disney with marvel thing being like, hey, whoever wants to make a game in our universe, pitch us an idea, show us some money, we'll let you use this. Rather than the Star Wars approach they did where they're like, the highest bidder gets unlimited access to this for a set amount of time. Because with Star Wars, we got fucked over. We just got EA pigeonholing the franchise for the longest time. And we got really very few games and very bad games. Or relatively mediocre games, I should say. 
uh, for a while. And with Marvel, thankfully, that's not been the case. We're allowed, you know, we see people like um, IDOS do Avengers and Insomniac do Spider-Man and all these things. And, and we're getting a, a, an array of quality as a result of that. Some are great. Some are just okay. But this ability for anyone and everyone with an idea and enough money to be able to pitch and then make a Marvel game is really cool because it's leading to a lot more diversity of developers and in, in game variety and things like that. It's not all just like, here's a billion fucking EA games in the, in the, in the frostbite engine that look pretty and are kind of not fun to play. So I, I like this a lot. I like this approach a lot. I think we're seeing a lot of cool stuff happen from it. This is like the third Avengers game we've seen in the past few years. So it's cool to see a bunch of takes on it. Um, I can't wait to see what that game looks like because if it's not too turn-based or too strategic, I might be able to get into it. But, you know, it's the XCOM game, guys after all, so I'm not sure about that. But after that, they showed an extended look of Call of Duty Vanguard. Now, this is kind of a weird one because the past few weeks we've been talking about the rumors of this game, the leaks of this game. And then the day this last episode went live, they did the proper reveal for Call of Duty Vanguard. So we're kind of playing catch-up a bit because now it's like we got the proper reveal, plus we got the campaign demo they did at the at the at gamescom so they showed a gameplay demo um and yes to confirm some things we missed from last week because it happened right after the podcast went live call of duty vanguard is coming out november 5th on both generations of xbox and playstation hardware as well as pc developed by sledgehammer which is like the redhead stepchild of the call of duty developers because everyone loves infinity ward everyone loves treyarch but sledgehammer is usually the one where it's like ah, eh, they just they don't get it right, you know? There was a time where it was just Infinity War. Those were the OG Call of Duty guys. Then Treyarch kind of proved themselves. They did Big Red 1, no one cared. They did Call of Duty 3, no one cared. Then they did World at War, and it's like, okay, now we're talking. And then they did Black Ops, it's like, okay, you guys are good. And they've been consistent ever since. But Sledgehammer, they still haven't gotten there. Maybe this is their third time of the try, or the third tri- third try is the charm, rather, because they did, ad- they did Advanced Warfare in 2014, eh, they did World War II in 2017. Eh. So maybe by this time they got it right. Now, the cool thing, the thing I respect about Sledgehammer is they're definitely trying to put their spin on Call of Duty. They're not trying to just make another Call of Duty, which I appreciate. They're trying to really move forward the franchise and evolve some of its core tenets. So with this, you know, with this demo, they really wanted to stress how they're going for a more narrative-focused adventure. They're trying to make it more cinematic, more narrative-focused, more interactive. You know, you see the character like being able to interact with things on the wall and climb up things and, and move around and maneuver in weird ways and interact with more objects and just be more slow, methodical. It was almost like watching Call of Duty be a little more like a Wolfenstein or a Prey or a Bethesda kind of shooter and a little less like a traditional Call of Duty where it's just like load in more enemies, shoot them, load in more enemies, shoot them. So I do respect that, but at the same time, Whenever you're watching these kinds of gameplay demos, it's hard to tell like how much of that is like legitimately how the game plays and how much of that is like, you know, framing this vertical slice in a specific way to make it look more cinematic because all gameplay demos try to make the campaign look a little more, cin- you know, in real in real life when we play these games, we just run around and pan the cameras like fucking idiots and run into walls and stuff, but of course during like gameplay demos and stuff when they're trying to market you a game they pan the camera just right and they choreograph how they play the level to make it look very cinematic more so than it actually is so it's really hard to differentiate how much of this is them accomplishing their vision and how much of this is just like them trying to you know sell an idea whether or not they've actually accomplished it so i'll give them the benefit of the doubt for the meantime it's kind of weird because this game is inevitably going to be the best-selling game of the year 
But in the inner circle, the hardcore games industry and in the games media, it's the conversation so surrounded by Halo and Battlefield that it almost feels like Call of Duty is being pushed into this like, oh, little underdog Call of Duty. Let's see if they can pull it off despite the odds. It's like, oh, guys, remember, it's it's Call of Duty. They're going to they're going to clobber the competition when all is said and done. It's just. They're just not getting the attention, at least from the inner circle, it seems right now. But yeah, I mean, Sledgehammer will be taking on the campaign in the multiplayer. Uh, Treyarch is actually handling the zombies, so I'm very excited about that. And then Raven, the guys that did the campaign for Cold War, will continue to focus on Warzone, which is their bread and butter. And then all the other Activision studios that used to make cool games will just be the support teams, as they are these days. So that was Call of Duty. Um... November 5th is the release date, so now we know it'll be Battlefield in October, Call of Duty in November, Halo in December. So now it's boom, 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 a month. These these companies are very, very aware of trying to distance themselves from one another. I think EA really doesn't want to get in the way of these games because they fucked over Titanfall 2 that one year over these kinds of things. They don't want to be in that situation anymore. I think Microsoft definitely wanted to get Halo away from Call of Duty because Call of Duty always steps on Halo's toes. And this was this is a this is this year is the result of like seeing how much these other FPS games really try to stay out of Call of Duty's way. <laughs> and uh it's kind of nice because if you're really into first person shooters, you got a lot of breathing room. It's uh, a couple couple solid weeks of Battlefield, then a couple solid weeks of Call of Duty, then Halo comes out. So it's a it's a nice way they have this cadence. You know, now that we know the release dates for all three games. And that's, of course, provided that nothing gets delayed. Now, next, we saw another look at LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, a new gameplay trailer and a confirmation that the game will come out in spring of 2022. Now, this is a huge deal because this game was originally supposed to come out this past spring. We haven't seen this game in like a year. So TT Games finally showed it off again. This is a pretty ambitious project for them. They're doing the story content for all nine mainline movies. And they're adding a lot of new features and mechanics and things to really change up the formula of the Lego game. So this is an ambitious project for them. I don't mean to under, you know, I don't mean to dis, I don't mean to discredit that. But at the same time, it's like, dude, it's a fucking Lego game. How is it taking this long from from announcement to release? But uh, I know a lot of people are really excited about this, so I'm happy that there's finally a new release date on it. Although it's not completely specific. Um, hopefully they make it this time and, and, and the game comes out. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen this, so it was nice to get an update on that. Then after that, they showed Writer's Republic, a new trailer for it. There's an open beta that is available until August 28th. So if you're into that sports Ubisoft game that is available, not much to say there. Then they showed Sifu, which is getting a February release date on console and PC. It's a Kung Fu game, which has a weird gameplay mechanic where every time you die, you spawn back older. Um, I didn't really look too much into this. Um, honestly, all this stuff was just like, I'm here for Halo, and if there's something huge other than that, I'll be there for it. But for the most part, I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking done with these games. <laughs> uh, but that's coming out February 22nd. Doesn't look bad. You can check out the trailer if you're interested in learning more. Next, Devolver Digital announced or revealed Cult of the Lamb, which is in development now. No release date on that. After that, we got a Splitgate announcement. We've been talking about Splitgate on the show. Well, Season 0 was announced, and it's available now on, on PC and console. I don't know if that means the game is out of beta, but they're going to sell you a battle pass, and they have new content and new unlockables and new skins to buy and all that shit. So, again, these fucking buzzwords drive me nuts. It's like, this game is out. You know, they're afraid to say it's not, you know, that's out because they're, they're milking that beta thing for all they can in case they have server issues. 
But let's be honest, this game is out. You're selling battle passes, you're talking about seasons, like your game is fucking out, okay? But yeah, so <laughs> Splitgate, if you've been into that, some new content right there. Next, they showed Jurassic World Evolution 2. We've already seen this, but now it has a November 9th release date, and they showed a new trailer, so... Uh, if you're into that, you can look forward to that pretty soon. And then next, they showed Dogvi, the creature-catching MMO from Black Desert Online team. It's like a weird, like, I don't know, type of MMO, Pokemon-esque creature game. This this trailer went on for way too long, and I just tuned out. It was weird. But if you're looking for a Pokemon-esque game, and you're an Xbox gamer, this might be something worth a, a, a look for you. But otherwise, I just, I just kept... St- Steamrolling right on ahead past this. After that, they announced park management, a new park management game called Park Beyond. It's being published by Bandai Namco and developed by Limbic Entertainment. The game features a new concept called impossification, impossification, which is basically where you take rides that would defy laws of engineering and physics and create them into theme park rides anyway because video games. And the trailer was like a little lame and cringy for this, but... Dude, these theme park management games are kind of making a comeback with, like, Planet Coaster and the like. So, good to see that people are into these, I guess. But, uh, man, I just... I don't I don't know, like, why is now the time that suddenly people are coming back to this? But it's it, it looks like it's a big enough thing. So, another one of those in the, in the works. After that, Deadmau5, Deadmau5, the musician, uh, had a trailer announcing that he's making a music experience game inside a game platform. There wasn't much on that. It was kind of a vague announcement. I Honestly, who cares? So it happened. After that, UFL was announced, a new soccer game looking to take on FIFA's dominance, the most popular soccer game by a large margin. We also see this with Pro Evolution, which is Konami's soccer game. That game is going free to play this year as well. So a lot of these, uh, these soccer games, these second and third tiers, trying to come up and compete with the likes of FIFA by going free to play. FIFA is just a force to be reckoned with. One of the all-time great selling games of all time. Best selling games of all time. It's hard. There's so much money to be made there in the soccer games. And, and it's hard to crack that market. Although uh, Pro Evolution Soccer did pretty well before it went free to play. So it'll be interesting to see how that works for them. As well as UFL. If you don't have the licensing, you know, that's that's what really matters. Is you gotta get that licensing for these teams and everything. These players. Now, after that, they revealed... Outlast Trials, which looks to be like some Cold War era uh, co-op Outlast game, horror game, Outlast, the series that began life on Xbox One, PS4, and PC back in the early days of last generation. Uh, They showed a trailer and all that. I I didn't know they were still making these games, but if you want another one, here you go. There's a co-op one. And then lastly, they showed Century Age of Ash, a free-to-play multiplayer game filled with dragons. Honestly, this trailer bored me to death. I'm telling you, all, all these, like, it was a lot of, like, these games that are just kind of, like, filler or fluff. I'm like, okay, don't care. But I, I will say one other thing they showed, and this kind of says I was right a little bit, just to brag. Uh, Crossfire X. Now, this is my prediction is we would get a Halo Infinite launch date, Crossfire X update, and that were those were the things I was looking for at this event. And, kind, hey, we kind of got them, or at least at Gamescom. Those were what I was looking for. So we got Halo's release date. But the problem with Crossfire X is they showed a campaign trailer. It was, like, a montage trailer. And at the end, it just said, coming soon. 
remembering that this game was supposed to be out last fall, got delayed to this year, and then the multiplayer beta went out. Remember, the multiplayer is being made by Smilegate, the Korean company that makes Crossfire. But the campaign's supposed to be made by Remedy, the guys that make Alan Wake and Quantum Break and Control. And these guys are spraying themselves thin with new projects with Epic and new games in, in the Control universe. But we just haven't heard anything from them about Crossfire X's campaign, which they're supposed to be working on. That's a real shame. I really want to see what a uh, Remedy military shooter, modern military shooter looks like. I think that sounds interesting as hell. Um, but just nothing on this. You know, this this trailer showed nothing. It just says coming soon. The game was supposed to be out a year ago. This game is like vaporware to me at this point. I just don't know what to make of this. I feel like we're going to get a weird announcement in a year that like, hey, Remedy's off the project and now there's a new team working on the campaign and it'll be out in another year. And I, I don't know. I just, again, this game is vaporware to me until we get something more legitimate and concrete. So it's cool to see that we did see it, but it was a kind of concerning additional look at that game despite it being silent for so long at this point so that was the jeff Keeley event everything else was like playstation related they did like death stranding and horizon zero dawn and shit like that so obviously not pertinent to us so we will move on past that now next i want to jump into the xbox showing guys i apologize if my voice is really rasp raspy i'm not trying to like bitch and get attention here but like i literally recorded for two and a half hours straight and then stayed up late editing just to have to re-record, so now my voice is in, like, fuck you tired mode. It should sound fine. Whatever. If I sound raspy, I probably just sound like a badass male protagonist. Whatever. Anyway, so the, that was the, the good event of the two. That was Wednesday. But Tuesday, the day before, Microsoft did their Xbox at Gamescom. This is the part I'm really salty about that got lost in the recordings, because this is the part I think I did a pretty good podcast on, but... I'll just be upfront about this. I don't know if I'm just like a hater or if I just follow and surround myself on social media with a lot of like Xbox apologists and fanboys because it seemed like people were like really giving this a lot of slack and really forgiving this and trying to see the good in it. But dude, this event sucked. Like I'll be, I'll be straight up. This event sucked, man. It really sucked. Like, okay. So they, they dude, and maybe to be fair to Xbox, you know, they did say like, this was going to be a look at like, Games coming 2021 and Game Pass and all that. But here's the thing is Xbox has a history of showing up at Gamescom and doing basically like E3 Part 2 type showings. And they showed up here and what they gave us was not that. Remember that little event they did like the day after E3 or a few days after E3 where they're like, oh, it's like a Part 2 deeper dive. And it was just that Parish guy from um, Kind of Funny Games. And it was like really like it was kind of cringy. He's just like reading a teleprompter a guy who is apparently supposed to be an Xbox podcaster who is like definitely basically just taking money from Xbox's hands and reading their teleprompter and feeding into their PR bullshit. And he was just like, I'm sitting down with developers to give you a behind the scenes look on all their favorite Xbox games. And it was just like really lame ass looks at like, Oh, well Microsoft flight simulator. And it was all that boring, boring shit. Well, this was basically just a sequel to that. And the most egregious part is like, that was a month ago. And then they just did this shit like a month later. I'm like, dude, why are we doing this shit again? So let me, let me try to start off with the good. It started, it started on a decent note. They started with Dying Light 2. And I actually thought this was probably the best showing we've seen of Dying Light 2 thus far. Uh, it was a deep dive, but I, I think this game has had a lat, a, a dearth of coverage and therefore it kind of justified having this, this focus. 
And I thought this was a good showing. They had some developers and they talked about how they're doubling down on the parkour and expanding it to the point where it can be used for like combat purposes and stuff. We saw a guy like running on a wall and swinging in through a window and then like knocking into an enemy and shit and just doing crazy cool shit. The game looks awesome. Coming out December 7th, the day before Halo on Tuesday. And it looks really good. I, I, I definitely want to get around to this game for sure. I really like the first Dying Light. This one takes place years after the first one. And it's supposed to be like in a world where like living around zombies is the normal. And the problem is the remainder of humanity has kind of divided and turned into factions. And it's about how those that re the remains of humanity kind of interact with one another. And it's fucking cool, man. Like it's it looks cool. It sounds cool. And the gameplay looks like a big step up from the first one. I'm pretty excited about this game. I thought this was a good showing. Um, definitely want to take a look at this. So my thing was like Dying Light 2. We've known about it. We've seen it. Not the coolest thing in the world, but this is a good showing of it. This is my favorite representation of it we've seen thus far. And so I'm like, okay, that's fine. You start with like a, a softball that you build up into the good shit. Well, next we got to the low point. They went to Microsoft Flight Simulator. And like I'm saying, dude, last month they did the same bullshit. They had this guy sit down with a fucking dude who works on Microsoft Flight Simulator in his little leather jacket and be like, tell us about Microsoft Flight Simulator. And the guy's like, oh, well, we're so excited that we're bringing Tom Cruise's Top Gun to the game. It's like, okay, no one gives a shit. Again, remember, you kind of hype this up as like a thing Xbox fans should be tuned in on for Gamescom. And we're all expecting like another big, a big Gamescom showing kind of like the ones you used to do uh, in a pre-COVID world. And so like, what the fuck is this? And it was just this, like, listen, no ill will on Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's a cool game. It's a very impressive game. What they've accomplished here is technically a marvel. It's a really impressive game. There's a reason why it's not available on Xbox One, because it needs a powerful console. It's a powerful game. It's a really cool tool. And I understand people want to download it, and it's exciting to, like, dick around in it and be like, oh, my God, I'm flying over my house and stuff like that. Listen, I still haven't had a chance to get around to it. I really want to. I want to be able to fly around and be like, oh, there's Disney World. There's my house. There's my local Walmart, whatever the fuck it is. That's cool. But it's a novelty because the thing is Microsoft Flight Simulator is ultimately a very niche product. It's for a hardcore group of people who really like this specific type of game. And for most other people, it's like a fun weekend or a fun dick around game for a little bit just to kind of test out the technology and see what the game's all about. But this isn't like Gears of War or Halo. Like people aren't like in the flight simulator. Like Xbox fans aren't like, oh yeah, well you can you can take Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and Returnal, Sony. You guys suck dick because we got Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's like no one's doing that, man. This is a niche game, not for Xbox fans, but just for like the people that want the flight simulator game. And that's not to discredit it. It's an awesome game for what it is, but be honest about what it is. It's not the big, hot, system-selling game that everyone's got to play. It's the niche, technical, nerdy, super cool, detailed flight simulator. And so, like, why are we doing this again? Like, why did you hype us up for Gamescom, a very mainstream event where we're supposed to talk about the big shit? Where's Avowed? Where's Fable? Where the fuck are these games, dude? You guys announced a State of Decay 3 a year ago. What the fuck happened to that? But here we are talking about Microsoft Flight Simulator, the same content for Microsoft Flight Simulator that we talked about last month where the guy comes on the leather jacket and he's like, Top Gun DLC is coming to Flight Simulator. It's like, cool. Who cares? Like, that's a blog post, Microsoft. That's the kind of thing you put on Xbox Wire, you throw up a YouTube video, and you fuck off. And we call it Tuesday on a slow news week. That's what that is. 
That's not that's not Gamescom coverage, man. And and this stuff's a, it's infuriating to me because I think Xbox and PlayStation kind of have opposite problems, right? PlayStation's problem is they don't talk enough. They don't do E3 anymore. And since the pandemic slash them dropping out of E3 the past few years, what we've really seen with PlayStation is aside from a couple small little state of play events, they haven't really had a big event since last summer when they did their big like PS5, you know, shindig of like, here's the PS5, here's one's coming, here are the games. Like that was a really cool event. They did a great job last summer with that event. Um, but other than that, for the most part, Sony's problem is they're too quiet. They don't talk enough. You know, a lot of PlayStation fans are like, cool, we know Horizon's coming. We know at some point God of War's coming. Like, what else can we look forward to? Like, what is the future of PlayStation right now? Like, talk to us, Sony. That's what's happening over on PlayStation. Xbox has a, the opposite problem. Xbox's problem is like, Xbox is constantly saying, don't forget, we're going to be at this event. Oh, yeah, we're going to be at this event. It's like, they're like, E3 will be there. Gamescom will be there. Game Awards will be there. We'll do our own events, too, in between. Inside Xbox, X-Fest, whatever the fuck it is, we'll be at all of them. We'll, we'll be anywhere and everywhere that you can fucking think about. It's like, Jason's 13th birthday party? You better fucking believe Phil Spencer's got some announcements for you that day. It's like, chill the fuck out, Microsoft. Like, you don't have to be everywhere because what you do is you hype and you hype and you hype. And then you show us seven minutes of Microsoft Flight Simulator's Top Gun, Tom Cruise in a virtual airplane simulator DLC. And we're all like, what the fuck is this, man? Like, they're both problems. Sony not talking enough, Microsoft talking too much. I argue Sony has a better problem because at least with their problem, their fans are like, we want more. We know you have more. Tell us what it is. Microsoft's problem is like, you talk too much, you hype shit up. And then when you finally show all this hype, it's disappointing and we don't, and it's, and it's frustrating because sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's like game awards where it's like, oh my God, you just announced your new console at the game awards. Oh my God. You just announced Hellblade two at the game awards or like E3 where it's like, oh my God, Halo, there's a new Halo. Oh my God. There's a new Gears of War. Oh my God. There's a new Forza. Oh my God. There's a new Fable. Oh my God. There's a new state of decay. And it's like, whoa, it's good. It's like they, they, that's the problem is Xbox will go really, really strong and then they'll go really bad for a while. They'll be like, uh, here's our cool event at Gamescom. And they're like, Microsoft Flight Simulator's getting Tom Cruise DLC. And it's like, who gives a shit? Why are we talking about this? I don't care about all the little 2D indies coming to Game Pass. Because guess what? That's a YouTube video and an Xbox Wire blog post and nothing else. Don't need it. Don't need you to hype me up for three weeks and tell me to tune in at a specific day, at a specific time, for you to tell me about Tom Cruise DLC in some indie games. I don't need that. And that's the problem we face. And I know it's not entirely fair to compare the two, because on, on PlayStation, they're trying to sell you a box in some games. They're one-and-done purchases. They want you to buy a PS5. They want you to buy games for your PS5. And they want you to subscribe to PS Plus. Xbox is different. Yeah, they want to sell Xboxes. Yeah, they want to sell games. But Xbox is really trying to sell Game Pass. That's their one product, more than anything. They want you to subscribe to Game Pass. They want you to keep the subscription to Game Pass. They want you to use Game Pass. They want you to then buy things from playing Game Pass. Like, oh, this game's leaving? Let me buy it. Oh, this game is really cool on Game Pass? Let me get the DLC for it. They want you to tell your friends about Game Pass. They want you to tell the world about Game Pass. They want to drive home Game Pass. So the thing is... Sony are, Sony are trying to sell one and done products, a PS5, a Spider-Man game, a sequel to God of War. Buy this, buy this, buy this, done. Microsoft is trying to continue to get this thing that is a living, evolving, breathing thing to constantly maintain. So all their thing is about, 
oh, we got a game that's coming to Game Pass, new content coming to Game Pass, you bet your sweet ass this game's getting an update, and it's available through Game Pass. And so they're trying to maintain and market different beasts, and I understand that's why Microsoft feels like they need to communicate more, but it doesn't, like, I don't feel like I'm getting more value out of Game Pass, because you keep telling me there's Tom Cruise DLC on the way. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Like, I'm happy with Game Game Pass is already more of a great service than I'd ever know how to, like, fully maximize or utilize. Like, chill out, Microsoft. Like, we know Game Pass is great. At this point, it's just disrespecting the time and attention of your audience by just constantly being like, pay attention. Here are some indie games. Pay attention. Here's Tom Cruise in a little virtual plane flying over a Minnesota Walmart. It's like, no one cares, man. So... I, I'm, I'm starting to get pretty frustrated with this and I, I don't mean to sound like a hater. Like there were some cool announcements in this, in this event. We'll get to a few more of them in a second, but I just wish Microsoft's thing would be like, let's fuck off a little more. Like just let, isn't it better to leave the people wanting? Like think about, think about Halo, for example, we just now got the release date for Halo. How, how like, did did we like stop being Halo fans or be like, I'm not buying Halo because they won't announce the release date? Like, no, we just kept thinking about Halo and talking about Halo and wanting more Halo because we didn't have an announced date. We haven't played it yet. We want it. We're anticipating it. That's what like lack of communication got us with Halo. But here's what, but, but who out there is like, you know, I didn't want to play Microsoft Flight Simulator when they announced it two years ago. Didn't want to play it last year when it came to PC. I didn't want to play it this year when it came to Xbox Series X. I didn't want to play it last month when they announced the Tom Cruise DLC. But now that they're making me watch the DLC for the second time, and the game's been on console for a few months, and the game's been on PC for a year, now that I'm being forced to watch it for the sixth fucking time, now I want Microsoft Flight Simulator. And you know what? I also want to buy DLC for it. And I also want to tell my friend to get Game Pass so he can play the Tom Cruise Top Gun Flight Simulator game too. Like, no one's doing that. So just, like, I get it. They're they're treading new territory. It's different. But I feel like, more than anything, they're just over-hyping, under-delivering, and disrespecting the time of their audience. And I wish Microsoft would just reel it back, man. Even if it means you just show up at E3 and like one, maybe just E3 in the Game Awards or something, it'd be cool. You can talk about Game Pass, man. You can have a cool YouTube show, put together a cool YouTube show about like this week on Game Pass every week. And they have a cool thing where Major Nelson comes out and he's like, this week on Game Pass, blah, blah, blah. Here are the games coming out. Here are a couple little quick chats with developers. It's like, cool. Throw that shit up on YouTube, curate it, let that thing grow, put it up every week. Great. But we don't need to have a big blowout event every couple months for you to tell us that Tom Cruise is going to be put into Top Gun, the the Microsoft Flight Simulator game available on Game Pass. Like I don't don't care. So and that and that kind of became the whole thing. It's just like these these personality like influencer dudes like this. I always make fun of that Paris guy because I think he's just so cringy because he's like he was the, he was the guy who's like I'm the I'm the Cyberpunk 2077. A uh, brand ambassador, and he was like beating that drum for months on fucking end last year. He had like the cyberpunk awesome gaming chair and the cyberpunk controller, and he was like repping cyberpunk. And it's like Twitter info was all like cyberpunk banners and shit. Then the game came out. It was a fucking cat. It, it was a fucking broken mess. It was a shameless fucking money grab when it, for a game that wasn't ready to hit the market at all. It just completely disrespected people and their money and their time. It was a complete failure of a fucking game. And I was like, hey, Mr. Like podcaster, honest influencer, cyberpunk brand ambassador. Like, what do you what do you have to say now? 
and just no, no more cyberpunk. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I don't know. I, I know it sounds like such a hater, such hater talk to be that way, but it's like, dude, I like that's that stuff matters. Like, just I don't know. And it's like in the course, Xbox is like, well, they, they get these like very clean, very PG, very like uh, buttoned up kind of like influencers to rep the brand for these events. And what it ends up being is just like kind of cringy and kind of just stale. It's like, you know, like there's these people don't have personalities. They're just reading a teleprompter and talking to developers about shit that the audience doesn't really care about. But they've boiled it down to a point at this point where it's like, all right, so I know how this works. If it's an Xbox event where Phil Spencer is going to be there talking on stage, probably matters. It's going to be an Xbox event where they hire these like media influence podcast dudes to come in and read a teleprompter in front of some developers for seven minutes per game. Eh, it's probably a waste of time and you could skip it. And that's kind of where I am at this point because they've done a couple of these and they're not good. Uh, but moving on, getting a, off this one note, uh, next they showed, they didn't show too much stuff, but they next showed... Uh, a, a new roguelite game called Into the Pit. It's arriving on Game Pass on day one. It's coming out October 19th. This game looks pretty oh, all right. You know, roguelites aren't really my thing. But I thought the game looks decent enough. There's a trailer out. You can take a look at it. Coming to Game Pass, why not? And then this was a pretty decent announcement. They announced Humble Bundle. Humble Games is bringing a bunch of games over to Game Pass, and they're all launching into Game Pass. So they're kind of partnering with Xbox on this stuff. They revealed Arcvale, Next Space Rebels, Midnight Fight Express, Dodgeball Academia, which is already on Game Pass anyway, uh, Bushiden, Flynn, Son of Crimson, and a bunch more, Chinatown Detective Agency, all these games, launching into Game Pass on their respective release dates. So this is actually a pretty cool get. It basically just means you see this publisher, you see their games, expect that shit with Game Pass. So that's a pretty cool get. Um, I like that. I, I kind of wish it was Devolver Digital because I feel like that'd be an even cooler one. But no, that's 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 a pretty quality, cool little announcement. Especially if this were like a, a well-put-together show with bigger announcements, that would be a nice kind of like smaller announcement. Uh, next one is the other one that drove me fucking nuts, which is the Age of Empires 4 trailer, which is, again, this is another one of those games where it's like, no disrespect, Age of Empires is a cool game, but let's not lie to ourselves. Age of Empires is not like a mainstream game or even a hardcore xbox fan game this is a niche game like age of empires is a game for age of empires fans it just is and there's here's another trailer for the game but worst of all here's a fucking history documentary on like the fucking catapult and how that worked and in all this shit and it's like no no you show us a little sizzle reel show a release date the game's coming out october 28th and then fuck off because no one cares this is a very niche very nerdy very specific game this isn't halo this isn't gears of war this isn't fable this isn't avowed this isn't starfield this isn't this isn't elder scrolls this isn't the outer worlds this isn't any of these games psychonauts this isn't any one of these games where it's like this is a big xbox game that appeals to a mass audience this is a very niche thing for a very specific audience it's not to discredit it it's not to talk down on it but it's not the end all be all it's not a big hot ticket item but they spent like eight minutes just really digging into the history you know this little documentary on a fucking catapult this feels like the early xbox connect days like 2011 don matrix kind of era of like complete disconnect tone deaf we don't know how to read our audience it's like why did you bring us here for this man again this is like the tom cruise dlc for flight for flight simulator it's like we don't need this and even if you are going to talk about this make it brief no one cares. This is classic 
Xbox Wire blog post material, just being drawn out for no good reason whatsoever. And then the next the next announcement was probably my favorite announcement of, of everything done here. It's actually pretty cool, which was the xCloud gaming coming to Series X and S this holiday and Xbox One. So this is huge for a couple of reasons. We already have this with, obviously, phones and PC, but this is big for a number of reasons. One, of course, being, you know, now when your friend's like, hey, check out this game. It's on Game Pass. You're like, oh, I don't have it downloaded. It's 30 gigs. I don't have, you know, it's going to take a while to get that downloaded. It's like, no, no, no. Here, I'll send you a party invite. Just just cloud stream it. You know, if you like the game, you can download it later. It's fucking awesome. That's another one of those really cool, like, tearing down the barriers to just make gaming more accessible, more seamless, more instantaneous it's just, it's really, really awesome. The other big one is, is the generational gap. So let's say, oh man, 500 bucks for an Xbox Series X. Can't really swing that right now. I have an Xbox one though, and I'll make it last, you know, I'll, I'll run it until it, it can't go any further. Right? Well, cool. You can't play Microsoft Flight Simulator, Tom Cruise DLC because it's not available on Xbox one. Well, you can just cloud stream it to your Xbox one. And now eighth gen games work on seventh gen consoles. It's, and they were driving that point in particular home a lot. And Honestly, it's not even just marketing PR. That's a really fucking cool thing is it's not like the days of like the Xbox 360 where it's like, well, now the Xbox one's out. So this thing's useless. You know, the PS2, it's like PS3 is out. This thing's useless. We're not in that time period anymore. Now we're Xbox is really big on this, this era of like, listen, your hardware is your hardware, man. Like my, my family home computer from 2004 that we used to all use you know, I would play Spider-Man 2002 and Half-Life 2 and fucking whatever it is, like a Deathmatch and all these games on that computer on Steam and stuff like that. And and those were the PC games I played growing up, right? But the thing is, PC is so so friendly with everything that's ever been on it that it's like, if I have those games on my modern PC today, those aren't like old-gen games. Those are just old PC games that still run on my new PC, just like new PC games run on my new PC. And Xbox is doing a really good job of kind of translating that into the console space, which is something I really, really commend. Um, because like, it's to a point now where like, if I'm playing Psychonauts on my Series X or I'm playing Sonic Unleashed on my Series X, I don't think of them as like OG or Xbox 360 games respectively. I think of them just as like games, right? It's like, I'm playing Psychonauts on my Xbox right now because it's an Xbox game I, I, I that's in my backlog that I need to get around to, right? It doesn't feel like, oh, I'm going back to the well to utilize backwards compatibility. Backwards compatibility was like step one of this massive process, you know? And it's cool that the PS5, you know, finally for once has some form of backwards compatibility with the PlayStation console. It runs PS4 games, but it stops there. It's like, you can't use a PS4 controller on your PS5. You can't play a PS2 game on your PS5. You can't do any of these things on a PS5. It's so limited, it's so archaic in a way but with xbox it's like it's the one thing that does it all it's like yeah my xbox plays xbox 360 games i can jump on my pc and play my xbox one games there i can be on the go and fuck all i have with me is my iphone but i can just stream games to it and there's it's just so many ways to access the library it's it becomes this thing of like xbox is your library of games tied to your xbox account it's not the the box you have and it it's taking the limitations of the box away and i think that's really fucking cool that's not gimmicky marketing stuff that's again this th these are the kinds of luxuries you're afforded when your focus isn't selling the new box your focus is selling the service and what we get is a superior service and the flexibility of fully utilizing all the forms of hardware 
to make the service more appealing. And that's what we have is, is Game Pass is made more appealing by making old Xbox hardware in your cell phone, in your desktop PC, in your laptop, and your Xbox console, and all these things equally viable options for playing your games. And I think that's really fucking awesome. I think it's the coolest thing Xbox is doing right now. And I think this was a pretty good announcement that we've, you know, it's been a long time coming, but like to finally get it, fucking awesome. And insiders are apparently going to get access to this a lot sooner. So at the very latest, um, this holiday is when we'll be using this, but possibly sooner if you're an insider. So that was genuinely a pretty cool announcement. I'll be honest. And then this next one, oh, um, basically more what we've been talking about. Wasteland 3, they announced the Cult of Holy uh, Detonation DLC, a new trailer for it. The DLC comes out October 5th. Cool. They didn't spend too much time on this. It wasn't too egregious, but it was kind of like, okay, this would be a nice little like sprinkled in piece of news if it were an otherwise pretty robust showing. But in a showing this week, this was supposed to be more of a standout piece. And it was just like, I don't care. Then they showed Sea of Thieves is getting a Borderlands-themed Mayhem ship set. Yes, Borderlands, like the video game from from um, from um, Gearbox. So from August 24th to September 7th, there is going to be a Making Mayhem event where players can get a particular vessel uh, to, to take part in this Borderlands crossover and be able to earn um, these Borderlands-themed ship sets. So that's a cool little, again, that's like a little cute gimme. This was a quick reveal. They were in and out real fast, so I have no complaints about how they handled this one. Then after that, this is this is the one that drives me nuts. This is the last one that drives me nuts. State of Decay 2. Homecoming DLC includes new map, six new bases, and new weapons. Basically includes a fully remastered open world of the first game's playable map. What? That is a massive amount of content. Oh, and it comes out September 1st, so in a few days. That is a massive amount of content to include. It's just like, guys... This was, you announced State of Decay 3 last year, and now we have no, you didn't talk about it at E3, you didn't talk about the Game Awards last year, you didn't talk about Gamescom this year, but you have a massive undertaking of a DLC piece coming to State of Decay 2. Keep in mind, Undead Labs is not a massive developer. They don't have massive, like, if they're working on this, that probably means State of Decay 3 is not getting full attention because they're working on this too. So, again, it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, why, why are we announcing Forza, the, the motorsport, the service, if it's not coming out soon and we got Forza Horizon 5 on the, on the way instead? Why are we announcing State of Decay 2 or 3 if State of Decay 2 saw his massive DLC on the way? Why are we talking about Microsoft Fight, Flight Simulator every couple months as if it's, like, the hot ticket game of the year? Why, like, what is happening? Why did we announce Fable so soon if we weren't ready to show it? Why did we announce Perfect Dark so soon if we weren't ready to show it? Why did we announce The Outer Worlds 2 so soon if we weren't ready to show it? Why did we announce uh, Hellblade 2 so soon if we weren't ready to show it? There's a theme here. And I, I got, I caught some flack from some of you guys during E3 for, for griping on this, but I don't think I'm in the wrong here. I don't think this is entitlement. I don't think this is, this is, ill-informed or, or, or wrong of me in any way to complain about this because talk about the fucking games that are coming. Listen, Microsoft, you own Bethesda now. You want to know who Bethesda are? They're the kings or were at one point the kings of how to announce a motherfucking video game. In 2015, in April of 2015, they came out and they're like, Fallout 4, here's the reveal trailer. Here's a gameplay demo. Here's the date. It's in five months. We'll see you then. And then the game came out five months later, and it was fucking awesome. Not because the game was awesome, but because the way they went from this game doesn't exist to this game exists to here it is, here's the release date, and it's out now. 
was so it was so perfectly paced and handled. It's like Microsoft, take a fucking page from Bethesda's book. Now Bethesda's not as good at it now because they fucking announced Elder Scrolls Six like 15 years before the game is ever going to fucking come out. But like, <clears throat> I just don't understand how they sometimes get it so right. And then they just fuck it up catastrophically from there. Halo, I kind of understand, like, how that happened. You know, the game got delayed a year. No one foresaw COVID happening, you know. And it was announced in a time where it's like, dude, Xbox needs an announcement. They need a win. And we need to start working on the PR patching up of the Halo brand. Like, it made sense. I see, I see what they were going for. But right now, we're in a position where it's like, Xbox has a lot of good content on the way. And that's it. It's just announcements. We have tons of CG trailers. We have tons of game titles. We have tons of coming soons and holiday this year and fall that year and delay, delay, delay. Like, stop, man. Like, just show us the games coming in the next year. Like, truly. Like, not not like DLC for a game that came out two months ago. I mean, like, what, what, like, so Halo's the big thing. Like, what's planned after Halo? Like, what are the big games for next year? We got Forza Horizon. We got Halo this year. What's big for next year? We don't know. Starfield. Starfield's their big game. Okay, uh, what about outside of Bethesda? Like, what's what's the big Xbox game? Like, who who's who's up next? Huh? We don't know. We don't fucking know because they've announced so many games, but all they can talk about is DLC for State of Decay two. When we're like, where the hell is State of Decay three? Honestly, I, by this point, I thought Hellblade was supposed to be a fall twenty twenty one game. So is Hellblade next year? I don't know. You guys still haven't showed gameplay. You announced in twenty nineteen, but you still haven't showed gameplay. So I just take a lot of issue with how Microsoft is approaching these shows, the way they announce these games, I think it's all pretty fucking valid. They're so all over the place. Like, now I now I have this worry. Next time Microsoft reveals a game or announces a brand new game that has my interest and has me excited, I don't know whether or not I can look forward to it or not because I don't know if it's a game I'm going to be playing in six months or 12 months or four years because they're really bad at this. They're really, really bad at it. And I think it's valid criticism, but whatever. Well, rounding out, there wasn't too much more. They announced Stray Blade, a third per- Stray Blade, a uh, sh- sorry Stray Blade. I keep saying that wrong. Third person action RPG to be released in 2022. Now, exploration, combat focus, melee focus, combat, um, bunches of different weapon types. I didn't pay attention to this one too much because by this point, I was completely like, yeah, guys, you you lost me. You fucked this up. And then they showed Crusader King 3 coming to next-gen consoles with new control options. Again, they gave us a history lesson on this. I don't care. Like, fuck off. (laughs) Then they showed The Gunk, a new gameplay trailer. Now, this is a game I'm actually interested in. This game is supposed to come out this December, so around the time Halo Infinite comes out. I thought this was a good trailer. This is a game I've always been just a little interested in, and this new trailer's got me a little more interested in it. I, I want to play this game. I want to see what it's like. I think this has a cool art style. It's a cool premises. I, 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 I'm interested in the gunk. I would like to see more of this. Like, if you're going to deep dive into a game, like, I don't want to... I really don't want to spend more than, like, two or three minutes on any game other than, like, Halo. Um, but, like, I don't know. You could have deep dived on this. Like, I would like to see... If this is really coming out in December, surely you could have gotten one of the developers to talk for seven minutes about what this game is about and show some gameplay, right? No? Okay, just show us Flight Simulator again. Okay, fuck me. So, you see what you see where I'm coming from? It's like, this game's apparently coming out in December. I'm supposed to believe that this isn't delayed. It's August. All you can say is December, and now a specific release date. Coming to Game Pass. Haven't seen too much gameplay of it. And then when you talked about it today, you couldn't show a developer diary or a gameplay demonstration, but you could show gameplay for a game that came out two months ago. Okay. 
whatever. And then they rounded out the show with Forza Horizon 5, which I thought was appropriate. They wanted to show the cover cars. So the cover art cars are going to be the Mercedes AMG 1 and the 2021 Ford Bronco Badlands. So that was cool to announce those. And they showed the Forza Horizon themed controller, which looks fucking stunning. It looks really cool. It's available to pre-order now, so it's probably already sold out forever. But um, comes out, I believe, also uh, when the game comes out November 9th. And I don't know what to say. They showed a lot of gameplay for this. I kind of tuned out because I'm sold on Forza Horizon 5. I know it looks good. I know I want to play it. I don't need to watch you play it. I'll wait till November. Game looks great. This one I thought was appropriate. You're going to spend some time diving into this one. That makes sense. It's your big fall game other than Halo. Makes sense. You can take the time to talk about this one. I think it's pretty appropriate for what this event was supposed to be about. This one doesn't bother me one bit. Um, thought it was a nice close, and uh, that was that was the event. That was the big thing they were hyping. So thankfully that um, that Jeff Keighley event ended up being really awesome, and we got our Halo Infinite launch day, and we got some other cool news because otherwise, boy oh boy, that would have been fucking disappointing as shit. But yep, yeah, that was that was the Microsoft event. So I don't know. Let me know if you think I'm being too much of a harsh harsh asshole. I really don't think I am. I really think Microsoft needs to get better about these things. But nonetheless. I saw a lot of people defending it and trying to say it wasn't that bad. I th- I thought this was surely like like an F minus presentation. It was really, in my opinion, boring and, and just un- unnecessary entirely. M- most of this was just blog post information. All right, so after that, we do have one more bit of Halo Infinite news to get to. Halo Infinite will not, and this is from Windows Central, won't include a co-op campaign or a forge mode when it launches, Microsoft has confirmed. The news marks the latest setback for its upcoming flagship shooter, currently scheduled to release on Xbox consoles and PC later in 2021. 343 Industries has outlined its plans via an August development update video on Friday, recapping the latest development, saying, quote, unfortunately, we have, as we focus the team for a shutdown mode, we are really focused on quality experience for launch. We made the really tough decision to delay shipping the co-op campaign for launch. Uh, Joseph Staden continued on with a statement saying that we've also made the tough decision to delay the Forge past launch as well. Now, the move axes launch plans for co-op campaign, which is set to launch as a free post, um, post-release update. Forge is also going to come in a post-release free update. So the co-op campaign is supposed to come around Season 2, which is going to be two to three months after the game, so February, March. And then Forge is supposed to come six months after the game launches in Season 3, which is going to be around June, July, maybe. Probably May, June, July, somewhere in that time frame. So they are on the way. They're still included. They're still free, but they're just not coming out day and date on December 8th with the game. Uh, Joseph Joseph Stain says, Our number one priority is making sure what we ship, whenever we ship, meets our our quality bar across all platforms, Xbox devices, PC, whatnot. Um, they're all different configurations. And when we looked at these two experiences, Campaign Co-op and Forge, we made the determination that they're just not ready at the moment. So this is disappointing. And I don't mean to discredit that. If you are someone whose Halo experience is like, hey, when a Halo game comes out, I stay up late, I, and me and my brother or me and my friends, we order Papa John's and we stay up all night and we just power through the campaign. That's how we celebrate a new Halo game. Like, listen, I feel for you. That sucks. I'm sorry. If you're someone who's like, you know, the, me me and my sister love to stay up on Forge and just goof around and build stuff and see all the cool ways we can break the game sandbox and try to make wacky things and try to build a Wendy's drive through map. You know, that's our favorite thing to do in Halo. More than multiplayer, more than the campaign. 
I get it. This sucks. And I don't mean to discredit that. I think people are right to be disappointed. And I think, I think criticism is warranted here, especially considering the fact that Halo 5 faced so much criticism for not launching with Forge and for launching with, or for only ever having um, online co-op and not local co-op. So the, the problem, it's not even so much that that happened with Halo 5, but more so the fact that 343 responded to fans when that happened and were like, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that again. We're sorry. And here they are kind of doing it again. So I, I get it. I get the frustration. That being said, I have a really hard time reacting to this news too much because my immediate takeaway from this kind of news is like, hey, that's disappointing. The only other alternative is to, to delay the entire package. But as someone who's already gotten to play the multiplayer a little bit through that tech test, I can confidently say I would rather personally for myself as someone who doesn't experience Halo first as a forge or a co-op campaign. I'd personally rather have the single player campaign and the multiplayer suite as soon as possible and then wait a few months for co-op campaign and forge than to delay the whole product personally because the way I play Halo is when a new Halo comes out I like to jump straight into campaign solo normal mode run through the campaign to experience the story the level design and just kind of get a feel for the game then after I beat the campaign I jump into arena multiplayer and I play the fuck out of team, uh, team Slayer and Oddball and all that shit. That's how I like to play Halo. I come back later. I do a solo run on Legendary, get the achievement, and then I come back after that. And then I do a co-op run with a friend or brother or whatever. That's how I like to play my Halo. So I'm more than sat, like happy to wait, as disappointing as it is. Um, to me, it's not a huge deal. I understand that's my experience. That's my preference. And for everyone else, it's a little different. But I can't help but feel like the where where I'm coming from is probably a little more in line with the majority and that this is one of those things where yes this is disappointing and you have every right to be disappointed but there's a lot more fake outrage about this than what we're letting on I'm sure these these people are smart these people aren't making stupid decisions for no reason at all I'm sure they have the data the statistics all these things to show that hey this is the percentage of our players that are really playing our games on co-op this is the percentage of our players that are really diving into forge this is the potential what we're really missing out by not having these game, these modes here for the first three months, the first six months. And what they're showing is the overwhelming majority of their players play multiplayer number one and then solo campaign number two. And so, does it suck? Yes. But at the end of the day, they're still pleasing the majority of their fan base by getting the game out with what they do have and waiting for the rest than by delaying the whole project and making everyone wait six more months so we can get everything. So... In an ideal world, we'd get the whole thing, but guess what? COVID fucked up development. We all know that story by now, right? And I, I think for someone like myself, I think, I think this is totally reasonable. The problem is it's not even really about what's happening. It's about the reaction to what happens. This is like this reminds me of like The Last of Us Part 2. I know this, is, this example is a little more extreme, but like The Last of Us Part 2 was so annoying because The Last of Us Part 1 phenomenal game i love that game one of the one of the great games of the past 10 10 years right the sequel i thought was really disappointing it has probably the best animation ever done in a video game it is cinematically and production quality wise just mind-blowingly amazing it's a fantastic game voice acting is amazing writing is amazing the game is really really stunning in so many ways but it is 15 hours long and i didn't enjoy it 
I thought the first game was phenomenal and didn't need a sequel. I thought the second game forced a story that didn't need to be told. I think it tries to tell a lot of messy plot points and tries to do some complex things, but ultimately ends up saying a whole lot of nothing. I think the new character that it tries to force you to play as so you can empathize with a different perspective is unlikable, and I ended up not really giving a shit about her perspective at all, even though I, had to, I was forced to play as her for seven hours. But... All of those criticisms and all that experience I had with Last of Us Part Two, I felt like was swept under the rug because even though I want to talk about the gameplay wasn't up to snuff, the story kind of dragged and was unnecessary as a sequel to the first game. This character wasn't, you know, uh, this this character I was supposed to develop a relationship with and feel for, but I didn't feel like I developed a relationship with that character. Those are my criticisms of the game, and I think those are genuine criticisms that deserve to be explored and discussed. But the actual conversation that happened when Last of Us Part Two came out was a bunch of, like, transphobic and bigoted, like, is the new character a transgender? This is social justice, Last of Us Part Two, And it was just a whole bunch of bullshit. And then the actress that played Abby, the character that I'm referring to, ended up getting a bunch of, like, death threats and hate mail for fucking taking a job voice acting in a video game and then the story the, the story the narrative about the game quickly transformed into transphobic comments uh death threats to a voice actress shitting on the developer for trying to make a game to quote-unquote social justice or woke and it's like guys you're fucking driving me nuts because this is not all of this is stupid all of this is mostly just just bigotry and stupidity like this is not the conversation like last of us part two is not a great game and but not for the reasons you're saying it's like let's let's talk about why abby fails to be a relatable character let's talk about why like we we don't want to be on this adventure where you're supposed to empathize with this person uh because her friends died but like the person you're playing as is a fucking mass murderer who kills like hundreds of, of, of enemies in this fucking game. And like, just how like the, the, the story is just unsatisfying and, and the, and, and your, your motivation for doing what you do is just like, you're kind of diametrically opposed to your, your character at all times. So you're not, you're not gelling with them. You're just, you're, you're rubbing against, you're like, you know, you're resisting with them. It's 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 not a good game for those reasons. And what we ended up arguing about was all this stupidity. And I know that's a really long-winded and kind of weird left-turn example, but it reminds me kind of of that, where it's like, listen, it is, it is disappointing that this is delayed, and it does suck for some people, and I do feel for you, but the reason why I hate these kinds of news stories isn't because now I gotta wait three months to be able to play a co-op campaign with my friends. The real reason I hate these stories is because now we have to deal with the conversation around Halo Infinite isn't about how good the tech test was, isn't about how excited people are for Halo. Now it's about, fuck you 343, I like co-op campaign and you didn't put it into game at launch time, so now Halo sucks. And now it's going to get review bombed for it on Metacritic, and now they're going to get death threats and tons of shit mail because we had to wait three extra months to play co-op campaign. And that's what I hate, because... It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to have criticisms. It's okay to have a preference for how you should handle this. But we're not going to talk about the real reasons and talk about this in a realistic setting. We're just going to go to the really weird internet bullshit where we just say stupid shit and try to make everyone feel like their life is at risk and all this shit because this is how we choose to interpret this kind of news. And that's my real gripe with this story. It's not that we got to wait a few more months. It's that now I got to deal with all the stupidity and all the hatred around Halo Infinite. Just when we thought we got to a place with Halo where it was like, oh my God, they actually like the tech test. 
we can breathe. I think people are going to be nice to Halo for a minute. But nope. Now we got to deal with this shit. So that that's kind of my takeaway from this. It reminds me of a, a Last of Us type part two kind of kind of situation. And boy, I'm not I'm not here for that kind of stupidity at the moment. So yeah, my condolences to 343 because they're going to have to eat. A, they're going to have to take a lot of shit for this. And I kind of I hate this world we we live in where like consumers feel like they're empowered when they get people to apologize and say sorry and admit that they suck when it's like that's that's not how this works like three four three like they're not at the end of the day like these are people with their hands tied behind their backs they're trying to get this game out they've been working on this game for like the better part of a decade they they want this to be the best experience it can be they want people to enjoy it and appreciate what they worked on but it just becomes this thing of like listen man. We got people above us, like people with like number crunching abilities that are telling us like this game needs to get out the fucking door because it's been in development too long and it's expensive and we just need to put a fucking product out and sell this new console and do something like we, we've got all that pressure on us. Like something's got to give here. we got to delay this thing. I, I'm sorry. And people are like, like consumers want to feel empowered, not by putting their money where their mouth is and not buying the game or playing the game. They're still going to buy and play the game. Don't get me wrong, but they're going to bitch and moan and threaten to kill people on social media until someone who worked on the game or someone who's a community manager has to like speak out and be like, we're sorry. We'll listen. Sorry, community. We fucked up. It will be better next time. And then everyone's like, yeah, that's right. I'm in charge here. I bought the game and I'm still in charge anyway. It's like, fuck off, man. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of this dynamic. It's so super lame, dude. Anyway, let's stop talking about that because uh, <laughs> I got to finish recording this thing. All right. <laughs> so next up, and this is the more exciting news. This is the more positive news. Let's talk about something pretty cool. Okay. So right before Gamescom happened, um, Bungie did their Destiny live stream event to talk about the new expansion, The Witch Queen. Now, we already knew the name of this expansion was announced a while back. Um, but this is now that it's the upcoming expansion. They've detailed it and announced it more specifically and formally. So the Witch Queen is coming out February 22nd, 2022. Got delayed a little bit. Um, understandable. Totally fine. Uh, but they showed the reveal trailer for it. It looks fucking awesome. It looks like we're going to a new planet, possibly a jungle-like setting, which is new and unique for the Destiny franchise. Um, but let me just read straight from Windows Central. It says the expansion will feature light wielding hive fighting alongside the Witch Queen at Savathun and will also have weapon crafting plenty of new weapons and armor, including new glaive weapon class and a new raid, new locations and more. Based on the trailer, players will be able to fight hive that use the light, much like guardians do. These hive will use their light to dodge player gunfire, launch devastating attacks against players and more. Players will also have to make sure that they kill ghosts being used by the hive so that they don't get revived. Revived. This is fucking awesome. First of all, uh, weapon crafting in Destiny. Can't wait to see what that looks like. That's fucking cool. Also, uh, fighting NPCs or fighting, uh, you know, other whatever, other computer characters. The way you would fight a, a guardian is a cool way to like introduce the concept of fighting guardians in a way that actually makes sense in this universe. In a way that we can make this work. That's super fucking cool. Having to destroy their ghosts basically the same way it works for you, the player. I love this. I think this is awesome. 
the it, I, Destiny is so weird. It's always this thing of like new expansion happens. I get really excited. I fall down the the well again. I start listening to my Destiny podcast and watching a bunch of Destiny YouTube videos to catch up on everything I've missed. I play a shit ton of the new expansion and new content for a month, and then I I get full on it and I I say okay we're good now. And then the next time more content comes out, I jump back in. Destiny is a great game to just, it's there when you need it, you pick it up, you enjoy the fuck out of it, and then you put it back down until it's time to come back again, and it's a, it's a really good loop, and I just, I don't, I don't know, Destiny's been this really fun thing for me consistently since it's come out in 2014, where that's always how I play Destiny, it's like, I'll, I'll fall really hard into a bag, god damn, Destiny is such a good game, and I'll just play the fuck out of it, on and off, and on and off, and on and off again, and it's just, it's just become like a staple for me, it's a regular in my rotation of games, and I just, dude, I, yeah, Bungie was at their best when they were making Halo, but you know what, I love 343's Halo, and if it means that we can have excellent Halo from 343, and Bungie, which is also excellent in its own right from, you know, Destiny, rather, from Bungie, which is excellent in its own right, then I'll, I'll fucking take it, because this is, this is good shit. They also announced the next expansion that will come out afterwards, which the name of it escapes me, but... You can check out the trailer if you want to see more. The stream went into more specific detail, but seeing as this is a general Xbox podcast, I won't get too nerdy on Destiny, knowing full well. A lot of you guys are probably like, yeah, 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 I don't care. But I'm excited for this personally. I I definitely want to see more. Um, I need to dive a little more into some of this just because I've been busy, haven't been able to fully appreciate and nerd out all the announcements made, but I am certainly excited for the next chapter in Destiny. It looks like... Bungie's really like getting to kind of self-actualize and fully flesh out Destiny to what it always could have been now that Activision's out of the picture and they've been independent for a little while. And you see them talking about how they want to expand the narrative even further, even more than they did from the jump of Destiny 1 to 2, how they want to make narrative even more front and center. And that makes me really excited as well because Destiny's one of Destiny's weak points have, have always been its its kind of passive storytelling. And the more in your face that storytelling can be, the more in my opinion, exciting the game can get. So I'm really looking forward to all of that. But in February, February's getting super crowded, man. (laughs) Lots of shit coming out at the end of February. And then our final wrap-up story, these two go together. So let me read them together. So this past weekend, QuakeCon happened right before Gamescom. And during QuakeCon 2021, Bethesda Game Studios announced an anniversary edition of Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Players who own Skyrim Special Edition will get a free upgrade to the corresponding Series X, Series S, or PS5 current-gen version of the game. And Bethesda is adding fishing alongside over 500 pieces of Creation Club content to the Anniversary Edition. Microsoft, of course, recently purchased parent company of Bethesda, ZeniMax Media. While not every game will be exclusive, many will be, including the upcoming game Starfield, which is scheduled to launch November 12th or November 11th, 2022, exactly 11 years after Skyrim. Uh, in addition to that, during a Let's Talk Quake panel at QuakeCon, Quake was announced, the original Quake was announced to be coming to Game Pass for PC, along with Game Pass for console. Um, while Quake's 2 and 3 Arena were also announced to be heading for Game Pass, but just for PC. Quake is suddenly now available on Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch consoles. And yes, you heard that right. PlayStation and Switch consoles. It can be played online, it has achievements, and it is rendered in HD, but most importantly, it can be played on PlayStation and Switch. So the weird thing here, this is a little, just celebrating Quake's existence, bringing the first one over to console and into Game Pass. But here's an interesting tidbit I bet you didn't know about Quake. There's never been a Quake game on PlayStation ever, ever. 
Every Quake game has either been only on PC or on PC and Xbox, but never on PlayStation, never on Nintendo. So you can talk about how, well, it's like, well, why is, why is Skyrim coming to PlayStation again? Well, we talked. Phil Spencer talked about the legacy thing, right? Skyrim came to PS3. Then Skyrim came to PS4. So if you're going to bring a new Skyrim, you got to bring it to PS5, right? Makes sense. But Quake, on the other hand, has never been on PlayStation. So why start now? They talked about the whole honoring games with a history and a precedent. So Starfield, it's only come to Xbox and PC. Why? Because Starfield's a new IP. It's never been on anything before. So why would they put it on PlayStation? They own it. Cool. Quake's never been on PlayStation. So why are we putting it on PlayStation? And then with Elder Scrolls, it's like, well, it makes sense to put it on PlayStation with Skyrim because... It's been on PlayStation in the past. You gotta you gotta stay true and keep with it. It's like, well, first of all, this is just a bumped up, you know, up version of the game again with fishing involved. So you don't have to do anything. But keep in mind, when Hellblade first came out back in what, 2017 or whatever, it was a PS4 exclusive for a t- for a limited time that before it came to Xbox. So that was a game that was first associated with PlayStation. Then Microsoft bought Ninja Theory, and they announced that Hellblade 2 won't be coming to PlayStation. It's only for Xbox and PC. And then just a month or two ago, they announced that there is an Xbox Series X update for Hellblade on Xbox platforms, but not for PS5. If you have the game on PS4, you don't get an upgrade to PS5 because, fuck it, Ninja Theory and Hellblade, that's all Xbox now. It's not PlayStation, so they don't get it. So why the exception here? Why, when it is Bethesda, is there always this weird exception? There's this weird gray area where it could swing either way. And I think, I I don't mean, you know, I'm opening this can of worms again, I guess. But I think there's still a little bit of possibility of truth to my initial claim that some of these Bethesda games could continue to come to PlayStation, including Elder Scrolls VI, whenever the fuck that game comes out in 20 years, you know? I, I just don't think they've been strict enough on this like, like i understand like elder scrolls online fallout 76 these are living breathing games as a service type games you can't just rip them off playstation so i get why they support it but you don't have to put a skyrim remake for the billionth time on playstation you could just put on series x and be like uh yeah you want to play it you can play the old version on playstation or you can buy an xbox but like sorry we own we own this game now we're not putting it on playstation so i think there's a little bit of a contradiction here especially with quake a game that's never been on PlayStation before, they put it on PlayStation. So the only other thing I can think of is that they have this mentality of like, well, let's take something like old, like Quake. No, you know, Quake is whatever. It's it's an old, old game. You know, we're not losing money by putting this thing on PlayStation. We're not losing console sales of Xboxes by putting this thing on PlayStation. But what it might do is make a PlayStation player be like, wow, I'm playing old Quake 1. Hey, this game is pretty fun. What what the where where can I play the other ones? And be like, oh, there's a new Quake. Oh, but it's only on Xbox. Oh, but it's only on PC. Oh, it's only through Game Pass. And it might entice people on the other platform to be like, huh, maybe I should give Xbox a try. You know? Maybe put you put um Skyrim on PS5 again, right? And people are like, oh man, I forgot how much I love Skyrim. What's Bethesda doing next? Oh, Starfield? Oh, that game comes out in a year. I want to play that. Oh, wait, it's only coming to Xbox. It's only coming to PlayStation. And now, hey, look, th- this person has a reason to maybe buy an Xbox. Maybe just cave in and do it. Get a Series S. Fuck it. As your secondary console. 
because you you miss those games and you want them and they're not on PlayStation. So I could see it if that's what they're trying to do, but I just don't think they're trying to play that psychologically complex of a game. I really I really don't. I just think there's a lot of like Bethesda can act how Bethesda wants to act and Microsoft will run the rest of the studios as they see fit. And of course for you know the remember Psychonauts 2 just came out. That game is on Xbox Series X, but not PS5. It is on PS4, it is on Xbox One. But that's because they have a legal obligation to their Kickstarter funders, crowdfunders. But they didn't put the game on PS5 because there was no promise of a PS5 version to Kickstarter funders. So, you know, Microsoft owns Double Fine. They own Psychonauts. Why would they put the fucking game on the new PlayStation console? Makes sense. Makes sense. Why is there a difference here? Why here? Why now? So I'm still a little dubious of all this whole Bethesda content coming to other consoles. There's just... They've been so flippant with it. There's there's no true like stake in the ground. This is how we're doing it. So how can you expect me to take a stance when they are not even taking a stance on their own their own policy here? All right, and with that said, for the second time, that's gonna do it for all the news this week. Now we'll jump into wrapping up with the important enough news stories. These are stories important enough to make the news and the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions. We got a couple quick ones. So this week, Xbox announced the Xbox Stereo headset available for pre-order now, and it will come out on September 21st for $60. US This is basically a wired version of the Xbox wireless headset that came out earlier this year that was very popular. Um, it is a little less spec-wise, but um, it's mostly the same headset, but 40% cheaper. It's 60 instead of 100 and uh, it's still available for pre-order. I checked today. It's not sold out. So this is something you might want to look into if you want to save a couple dollars on that awesome Xbox headset that came out earlier in the year. Definitely worth a, a look. Next, Windows Central reports that during the August 2021 development update on the game, 343 Industries confirmed that the next technical preview for Halo Infinite will include Big Team Battle. The mode pits two teams of 12 players against each other in a variety of objective-based modes on bigger maps with plenty of different vehicles to play around with. 343 Industries confirmed that this test also features more bots as well as PvP, player versus player, combat in the arena mode. There is no set date for the technical test yet, but we can expect it will be pretty soon. And my expectations will get at least three of these tech tests. So one in August, one in September, one in October, and then a month off in November for them to really polish up and get the game out the door. And then it's out in December. So that way, you know, even though we're waiting till December to play Halo Infinite, we at least got some Halo in between now and then. It's not like we're just not playing it until it launches. So that's nice. And I look forward to trying Big Team Battle. And then... Next, Windows Central reports that Minecraft Dungeons has made its way to Steam. As of September 22nd, it will be available on the biggest platform on the PC marketplace or whatever. And yeah, uh, I Am Fish is officially coming to Game Pass for PC and console on September 16th from the developers of I Am Bread and Surgeon Simulator, Curve Digital, and Bossa Studios are releasing the game on September 16th. Find it day and date on Game Pass and uh yep and then lastly gaming hardware giant razor has announced via twitter that a special halo infinite themed version of their popular razor kyra pro headset is being made for xbox players no details about the price or when the headset will be available but we do know it's launching in october of 2021 so just a few months and players can sign up on the razor website to be notified of when the headset is available it looks like the headset but with a uh halo infinite kind of skin to it looks pretty cool might be something of interest but you guys this is the second time i have recorded this podcast 
Uh, my voice is beyond shot. I am going to skip the new game releases of the week and the games with gold and all that. Just know, Psychonauts 2, it is out now. It's definitely worth a play. I'm going to be streaming it tomorrow on uh, night, Thursday night, for or the first one, rather, as I try to finish through it. And then hopefully by Saturday I can play Psychonauts 2. I'm really looking forward to it. I think the game looks good. The visuals look really good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing a modern version of that game uh, with more modern platforming sensibilities. Um, but yeah, you guys take it easy. Thank you for listening. I hope, you know, despite having to do a rush second recording that it still turned out pretty well. I'm a little salty about it just because I really liked the last recording I did of it, but I think it's still, you know, still got the gist of what I, what it was. I was all trying to say. Um, but please remember, follow me on Twitch, uh, at lightning extreme. Please go to my new YouTube page, lightning extreme. Check out my new YouTube video. Um, my first video I posted to the channel uh, Halo Infinite wants to, to save the rainforest. It mean it would mean a lot. I put a lot of work to that video. I'd really appreciate your feedback. Constructive criticism, absolutely welcome. Don't be afraid to tear me apart if you got to. I really appreciate any and all feedback I could possibly get. And uh, follow me on Twitter for updates on the stream, the podcast, the YouTube page. It is at Jesse DeRosa. And also there will be some general shenanigans and stupidity coming up on that that Twitter account as well. But you guys, I thank you for your time. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, year's Gamescom. Hopefully some good announcements that satisfied you. Most importantly, Halo. So I know we're all looking forward to that. December 8th, we can start counting the days. You know, mark it on your calendars. Get ready. Request your time off work. Let's get ready to fucking slay some bots uh, and some other UNSC Spartans. But until next week, you guys, power your dreams. Watch your step and please be safe. And it's a long Just too much to take And I've fallen away from you